Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Today, Emily and I have the pleasure to speak to a good friend of ours. He was the head engineer for our debut record. He did all of the mixing, and he made a lot of, the, of uh, tonal decisions regarding the record as well. Um, he's also the head engineer at the legendary Prairie Sun Recording Studios in Katati. Um, so without further ado, please enjoy our good friend and integral part of making our last record, Nate Nauseda. <laughs> that's uh that's my uh like lady crooner version i like it i thought it, it, I thought it was you. good i thought it was really impressive thank you so thank when do you, you want to take emily's place i will drop all my other gigs nice it's sorry a good gig. emily it's no it's a good gig i don't blame you for taking it man i, like I don't blame it. you <laughs> it's okay it's okay. We got our fifth member of the band, essentially, Aww. Nate Nauseda. Is that how you say it? I, I you have know, like it kind of is. You know, I don't, <laughs> sincerely, was, I don't know if I am 100% aware of how to say it. Like, um, it's it's a Lithuanian name. I think that's how you oh. say it. Nauseda, something like that. A Lithuanian <laughs> would probably be like, no, you're totally pronouncing your last name wrong. It's we'll actually go, yeah. We'll have to go to our Lithuanian market for this kind of feedback. Exactly, yeah, your local Lithuanian market that <laughs> doesn't exist anywhere. <laughs> Big yeah. fans there, but it is for American purposes. Nauseda. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think ours is not actually good. I feel like our Norwegian. Good. It's something like that. Good. God, all the Swedes oh, are just like, oh, the people fuck? are cringing. It's Norwegian, but yeah, it's, I, I heard them say it when I was there, and I was like, oh, that's how we say it, And but I don't really have a good accent, and I'm, I'm embarrassed that I just did that. Have you guys been to Ellis Island and like seen your name on the on the scroll thing and all? No. No. I, <laughs> no. I was born here, Nate. <laughs> not, not your name, you know, but your last name, your historic name, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, the Ancestry.com kind of stuff, like yeah. seeing all those cool old photos, but I'd be worried about what I'd find. I'd love to see that. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, we have some German ancestors that might get kind of... I'm interested. We're, like, we're very Norwegian on both sides. But like what came before that? You know, you came yeah. from somewhere... You know, and they say that like all blue-eyed people like came... Yeah, descended... Same here. Descended from like real? the same... Um, like, uh, like Persian man or something are we like related? that. Yeah, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we are. I we're guess family. we are. You know, way back when we're all related. Yeah, yeah. Really Ozzy and I are related. If you go back Oscar far, Oscar also enough. has blue eyes. See that, Ozzy? You <laughs> he must I. be related to the Persian guy too. Yeah, we were always brothers, Ozzy. <laughs> He's a Persian cat. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> Tom just comes in. <laughs> um, Tom is sneaking around here. <laughs> I'm out here too. They finally gave me a mic. Well, Aww. this is lovely. I'm I'm here in the wilds of the Oakland Hills. Yes. You're usually like in the wilds of the Petaluma. What, what, what Currently, the Petaluma. It's, like <laughs> it's not really a coast. Florida. It's kind of like it's the like, Shire more, you know? Yeah. I love Petaluma, by the way. Rolling hills, very I pastoral. There. Yeah. There's some goats that I hear when I go outside. <laughs> 
You look like, you know, when we were recording, you were looking for your apartment. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think I was really. You yeah, like I guess spots. I was. Yeah, because we were recording like April. Yeah, we were like rooting for you. We we're like, oh, check yeah. out. And you were seeing some studios and you found Stuart said you found a really cool. Your studio is undefeated. Man. Yeah, it's this so place sick. is cool. It is so cool. I have a control room in my uh, in my garden shed. It is where the entire record was mixed. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I like, I was thinking about this on my way down. I really like that it went from uh, a, a like sweaty barn to a sweaty garden shed. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Two balmy, balmy places. It's it separate wasn't, from your, your studio is like a standalone? Is it yeah, like a it's like somebody oh, really cool. converted this outbuilding this old garden shed into an office long before I got there. Um, and it is just big enough to hold all my gear and my desk. And it's kind of like a little walk-in closet type of... Uh, I've seen pictures, so I'm just guessing. Almost like that. Yeah, you know, a little bit bigger than that. Like yeah. it's like a it's like a tough shed that somebody built into like a nice, like usable building. That's really cool. Yeah, and then there's the main house. That's like a it's an old garage from the 1920s that my landlord like added all this weird stuff to. Like oh, he I took a barn wall and put it. Was like, oh, I need to break up the the monotony of this place. This barn wall that I found will be perfect right here. <laughs> He booby trapped all the trees too around the. <laughs> yeah, I like this guy. Yeah, yeah, that tree ruined your car, man. Oh, that happened at Nate's it, house. Yeah, yeah. It was a blessing in disguise, man. The insurance gave me three grand for that thing, and I'm not sure I would have ever gotten three grand for it on the open market. And I feel like this is my memory of that. I feel like we were hanging out with Amber here. I think we were painting you those were. wine glasses. Yeah, and she's like. She gets this text from you and there's no no, <laughs> no information at all and no context. It's just a picture of a tree like falling on your car, but it kind of looks like you trashed in you like crashed into a tree. And she's like, Why does Stuart just send me this photo? What's happening? And we're like looking and we're like, Did he crash? And then we finally got word from you. You're like, No, I just came out. My car was just like covered with a tree. And <laughs> anyway, you, you have to give us more more information. <laughs> we no. send alarming photos like that. We were, you know, we were literally just mixing and like yeah. you were getting ready to go and like you texted me like Nate you should come up here and see this thing I'm just like I, I don't even know it could be that interesting is there like a cool bug up there or something the, no I, I sent him the same photo I don't photo need to see your cool zero. bugs Stu there are actually a lot of cool bugs right outside your house I told you about them and then I never saw them again those weird like those cluster bugs yeah. yeah they're fucking yeah, weird man Ooh. I had fun kind of like they would cluster on the leaves and I would like tap the leaf and then they would all fall off and kind of scatter and then go back on the leaf they were very interesting bugs they're very friendly with each uh, other i think they were aliens yeah they must be aliens. Aliens. they were yeah. definitely <laughs> aliens but yeah just uh for everyone out there is like but what happened with the car they're, they're basically <laughs> all amber and now out there is what happened was i left a mixing session with nate and a giant what kind of tree is that like it was an, an oak, oak tree, tree yeah. yeah like a live oak a tree. tree a giant limb from this oak tree fell on both of our cars oh, mine got the worst of it um yours got a little bit a little bit you know there's a scratch that reminds me of it every time i get in my car annoying <laughs> but, memories uh, yeah exactly it's fine <laughs> yeah it, it's uh it's like a tattoo <laughs> yeah for your car yeah. <laughs> everyone wants one of those not a fun your- one <laughs> <laughs> I still I found a little piece of glass from like one of your mirrors the other day. 
Yeah. Uh, at least it wasn't in your skin or something. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> no, work. you know, I it's a safety shiv is what I'm using it for. It's underneath <laughs> some leaves if I ever it's encounter a wandering vagrant who, you know, is high on PCP and wants to cut me, I can... Maybe it's a bear, you never this, know. We're getting into some dark places in this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. Oh, we can't, family can friendly darker. here. I'll keep it family friendly. Oh, it's definitely not family friendly. It's definitely not okay. Right. <laughs> Please don't Emily, have you heard Emily on this podcast? Ozzy's here. Ozzy, shut your ears. <laughs> Oscar the cat. He's a he's a sweetheart. When uh, I lived with uh, yeah, there it is. When I lived with uh, Emily and Tom in St. Helena for a while, this guy was he was always around. He's your therapy cat. He just followed me. He was like yeah. in love with me. He, he followed me around you're, constantly. Yeah. Whenever you're in the house, he wants to be hanging out with you wherever you are. But then he always acts nonchalant. Like I'll like go into the other room and then he's in the next room. He's like, Oh, you're here. We Oh, that's weird. I just happen to be here too. Like he, um, but yeah, he's following you around cause he's a sweet boy. But yeah, with you our are a sweet boy, Ozzy. <laughs> with that. I'm glad Nate's a cat person. You walked in the door to our Oakland apartment. The first thing you said was, oh, you have cats. You have and it cats. was such a genuinely excited. Like, I love cats. I love, I love an people apartment that, love that cats. has cats. Yeah. Yeah. And you are you have a little cat as well. The little, I do. Uh, Holly. Holly yeah. Shout out, Holly. <laughs> Shout out to Holly. She's a studio. Holly, if you're listening. She has been a studio cat literally like her whole life. I, I got my little cat, Holly, when I was living in Oakland. I was living at... Um, like Adeline and Grand pretty much more specifically at 26th and Magnolia in these funky converted warehouse apartments there with a bunch of other college kids. Sounds like Oakland. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was way fun. It was a great time. We had, you know, we grew pot and had a recording studio and like she like grew up there with like a couple giant male cats and she would just fuck with the male cats and she was just a little, little teacup, you know. She's really athletic. When I was playing with that little ribbon game that she she was she was always getting that rhythm she's like i had to go pretty hard like to not let her get it she would always get that thing she's fast she's thick but she athletic yeah exactly that's exactly what i was thinking oh my god (laughs) oh man but with the i wanted to ask you because i've seen uh, a lot of these stories you're posting lately where you're recording bands in your studio with holly yeah how how many bands are you recording? just just one or in my in my home place as far as like full band tracking yeah just one it's um it's this really amazing artist um michael salestrom his band's called solstrom uh everybody should go check solstrom out the album isn't out yet um we're still working pretty heavily on it like we were literally i just came here and kicked them all out of my house to like come and do this it was like i gotta go do this podcast guy (laughs) um they're like what (laughs) we can't hang out here with holly holly's here we can't be yeah yeah can holly run the session you know (laughs) she's she's a session cat you know um no amazing guys like um great uh casey Warner on drums, Sam Trimboli on upright bass, Michael Salstrom uh, songwriting and playing guitar, and we had one of his friends Nick by today to do some percussion too. Um, Are they kind of like an Americana type band? Yeah, it's definitely like jammy Americana kind of stuff, but I would say it, um, 
you know, I think Americana doesn't really describe it super well because he has this um, this odd European tinge to things that I don't really like here in a lot of other music. Um, that and always but, makes me think of like Gogol Bordello. Like you know, it's not really like that. Like if you think like Nick Drake and this more oh, like I wispy Irish kind of thing. Like he Nick himself, Drake. Michael is is Swedish or his family is Swedish, and um, it really reflects in his music a lot of it is about these kind of like Northlands and you hear, you hear that kind of like winter in the music and, uh, it's beautiful music you know it's just very very flowing it's been really fun to to work on it i can't say it's anything like the record that we made um for sure you know it's kind of an anti-rock and roll record for sure but um i love what it is i think nick drake would be the the closest analog to got my heart with that one Go go ch- go check it out. I don't How think. How do you spell it? Uh, S O L S T R U M. I think it might be O M. Put you on the spot. Oh, it's like Sun. S O L Soul. Soulstrom. Yeah, Strom. Yeah. That was a nice little. That was like a little Swedish accent. That was good. Soulstrom. It's right up there with your Lithuanian accent. I don't even know what a Lithuanian accent. I barely. I don't know. My grandmother always says, "Rough other than roof." You know. Aww. The rough. Up the rough. Up the she roof. says, does she say woof instead of wolf? I'm sure <laughs> she does. <laughs> Look out for the wolf, Nate. The wolf. You know, if you told me that I'm was a tell my grandma to listen to this podcast. Yeah, she's like, damn it. <laughs> Where do we go wrong? <laughs> she actually has a, a, a German boyfriend these days that Love she it. met in Florida. God, I yeah. was... I was really hoping you were going to say the retirement home. I don't oh, know yeah. why. I oh, don't know why. It it's was a like giant. Reti- it's a mammoth retirement home. Yeah, it's a whole state. There's a lot of hooking up <laughs> in retirement homes. My first job when I was 16 was being a waitress in a retirement home in Walnut <laughs> Creek. It was a nightmare job because oh. people are just dying left and right. So you're like serving people <laughs> oh, and then they're like, oh, Betty died and everyone's dying over it. And I'm and like, fucking. I'm not over it. It's it's And everyone's drinking like, my favorite woman drank like, five glasses of wine with breakfast she was like oh new and she was like am i allowed to drink and i was like we have to give you like whatever you want and she's like she's like really i'm like yeah we just give you whatever you want um and there's a lot of racism because it's all these old <laughs> white guys that are like mad about the wars why are and, you uh, so mad yeah and they're always like are you swedish and i'm like please stop calling me out like, like stop <laughs> talking about how i look um and then uh yeah people were dying left and right getting drunk at 6 a.m um, yeah, it was a rough gig, but there was a lot of sex happening in that retirement home. There was a lot of people getting caught in other people's beds. So we'd like oh. get there for breakfast and we'd be like, Ooh, what's like the, you know, what's the news? Like who, you know, unfortunately there would be people that, you know, so many, so and so passed away. Blah, blah, blah. And then it'd be like, Oh, John was cut in Gloria's room. And it was like, Oh, I didn't you, even know they talked. You and know, I was thinking about that old folks home gig yeah. the other day. It was so weird that you bring it up. Oh, and, uh, they hated we, yeah, sorry, us. We ended up playing. They didn't hate us. One guy really hated us. But uh, we ended up. I think <laughs> You're bad. I, think was, I don't like you. I think it was the first paying Radio Keys gig. I think you're right. Go I didn't work there San anymore. Go back to San Francisco, you hippies. No, I, didn't I, last I sang. Uh, I sang. Uh, <laughs> we sang stay, stay. And I did that falsetto part. Yeah. Oh, won't you stay? You know? We basically like had to curate like a 
a friendly set for these people so it like that we didn't do any perfect. original stuff we did like a bunch of like that's what yeah, Maurice a lot Williams of 50s songs a lot of like Elvis you know even oh, some like Blue Moon like some kind of like we did some ambiguously like, like 40s 50s kind of yeah, we, like, like, we like learned a whole set for them yeah, and, and then, they did not like it no it was <laughs> deathly silent and one man came up to me one man came up to me after the gig and he was like you sang that one song in the high voice. And I was like, yes, sir. And he's like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> oh, my. Dude, oh. I can't wait to be old and just say whatever the fuck comes to my mind. Like, and I that's was like, so amazing. What am I going to say to that? I'm like, yes, sir. Like, no, <laughs> fuck you, dude. You're old ass. No, that's you get hilarious. the hell back onto your rumor. Like, that's just aggressive, what I just said. But No, some of them were really mean. Those you know, that's, so, that's okay. Mean. They're like, he knows he's being a prick. He knows he's being a dick. Yeah. He doesn't need to give you that weird critique. I think you're I think you're totally in the right to be like, fuck you, man. They could have just shuffled out and like <laughs> he could have. No he could have. You know, yeah. he took the extra energy to shuffle on over to you. <laughs> yeah. For real. There's and a lot like, of extra energy. Oh. He could have just gone back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, and he, I bet you he did. Yeah. He did I right after he, that. He spent him, man. He was yeah. done after t- giving you what's what. Oh man, God, we played some weird gigs. <laughs> anyway. That might be right up there with the weirdest. Though. That was really weird. That's weird. You know, I in my old band, I played a gig at a a Borders bookstore oh, that I was Borders. yeah they were oh but they were like bankrupt and closing so like most of the store was empty and people <laughs> were like bra- like as we're playing it like you know breakneck volumes like there's just people wandering around the like remains of this store like buying the little books that are like you buy this for two cents. Offer us whatever you want just for take, these just books. Steal it. Just take <laughs> them, you know. And we were rocking out. There was a French restaurant below was it the loud? borders. Were you loud? Super loud. <laughs> the, 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 the chef from the French restaurant come comes up and he just unplugs us and like oh, dickhead. Oh yeah, no, I got in like a like a, a like verbal argument with him. It was like you tr- you could have trashed my amplifier, you asshole, and shit like that you know and we um are everybody that was there just helped us like move to another section just adjacent to where their kitchen was you didn't move you know? the whole setup oh it was fu- you know it was okay like we we moved it in like 10 minutes That's pretty impressive. and like they couldn't they couldn't shit on us then they just yeah. i don't know they couldn't give us any shit then um we were still making plenty of noise for them though no doubt yeah, dude, that's a weird gig. That was the weirdest gig. I have a video of it somewhere, and oh, you can see clearly see all the people just like digging through the skeleton of this borders. When <laughs> stores hilarious. are closing, God it feels vultures. like the apocalypse. It's like there's like half the stuff is gone. It's absolutely it's very creepy. what it felt like. Yeah. So can I ask you? Yes. I've never asked you this. How did you? Um, now we're gonna get all interviewed. In. Ooh. I'm just kidding. It's informal. <laughs> but um, I, oh, this is I don't know a lot about your music background. We met you like you know this year or last year, I guess. And how did you start playing music? 
I want to hear about your journey. Not to me. We spent a lot of time together. Okay, well, that's good that I'm (laughs) here. I I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm a kid who always liked music. You know, I mean, my dad played me like blues and jazz records growing up. My mom listened to Motown. Um, That's a good combo. Yeah, you got all three of the main (laughs) the big food groups, man. You know, my dad was definitely, he's not, he's a a guitar player. Um, You know, uh, I'm not going to call my dad an amazing guitar player. Sorry, dad. I love you. I love you. You're wonderful. I'm not like an amazing guitar player, um, but I'm better than my dad. Oh! Um, You know, no, he'll be, he's like, he's like, yeah, that's probably right, son. Um, Was he ever like a, in band performing or was it just something kind of no but he was just always a guy who was very like musically in he had a musical ear like he had a really good ear for like hearing something that felt musically complex or had like a lot of vibe like i can attribute i think a lot of like my um stylistic tendencies i think to my father's ear Oh, that's he cool. he had a big impression on me. He had a huge record collection, and it was so much fun as like a kid to like go pull out this physical thing, yeah. put it on the turntable, put the needle to it, and just like hear this record. And it was something I could kind of like endlessly explore because he'd already bought, you know, like five six hundred records that Damn. I could just go through, you know. And I didn't. When have- you go like. I don't know. Sorry, not to interrupt, but like if, when you're a kid, I, d- I used to do this. You just look for like a cool cover. Exactly. And you throw yeah. it on, and I then you re- discover something amazing. Like, I don't know. I remember like <laughs> liking the cover to this like Manhattan Transfer single <laughs> that had like their cover of the Twilight Zone on it. Oh, it was Dude, that real bad. Oh, oh, yeah, we gotta <laughs> find it somewhere. Yeah, it's it's real terrible. Dude, but I keep I, talking. I'm on it. We got Spotify now. Loved it as a kid the manhattan yeah. transfer doing the twilight zone it's real 80s and really real like synthed out but it's what? wonderful you know i had i had fun doing that and i think that really like grew me into enjoying music there was always a guitar in the house and i think i That's always huge, wanted yeah. to play it um my dad like i, I said, think i found it real quick oh, yeah, you want to hear this please yes. oh this is 100 percent it Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> I love it. I'm not They're mad tripping. at it. Oh, yeah. Wow, they really extended the intro, oh. though. <laughs> well, there's no lyrics. It's just what's his name talking, right? Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, he's going to talk? What's his name? Fuck. Oh, there's Rod lyrics. Rod Serling. Thank you. Rod Serling, yeah. People are screaming. I don't think Rod Serling is in this No, he's version. in the Twilight Zone. He's the guy he with is, the cigarette. He is, but in this, in this oh, version damn here. So many cigarettes. I think there are lyrics that do come into the Manhattan Transfers version. For some reason, my uh, dude, I think it's cool. <laughs> I it's really so. Do. I hope you do because it's six minutes long. Yeah, you gotta really get engaged. <laughs> I don't know why. I oh, wait, here we go. Uh oh. There's some stuff. All right, I think people should listen to that, but that's hilarious. Yeah, please go listen cool. to the Manhattan Transfer doing <laughs> the Twilight Zone. <laughs> They're like this. So. Oh, it's it's uh, <laughs> you, you know, it, you're gonna have to have a lot of patience for it, but you'll really enjoy it if you've ever heard of, uh, oh, Joe Meeks. I totally forget the the name of it. This fellow Joe Meek basically like made that song in the '50s with like a bunch of weird 
little like bloops and blips and synthesizers. It was like music for space or something like that. It was like the fifties or something. Yeah, that that show came out in the what late fifties, early sixties. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that was like the height of that whole like we're gonna make space sounds with weird oscillators and shit. By the way, that show. I don't know if you're you've actually gotten into that show. It was back on Netflix for a, a hot minute. I don't know if it's still there. It is. It has like this weird creepy vibe to it it's so good that can't be replicated yeah Yeah. it's wild and demented and like each one of the like small capsules of a story could totally be like made into a film its own you know and it's a it's like the weird things about the 50s like the technology that they had like the prosthetics that they have Mm -hmm. to use or you know just weird things like that that's inherently creepy like the prosthetics being so overtly fake and creepy are like weirder than yeah. today when they can just edit it and make it like this. Make super, it more yeah. you know, And we can bring it back to our, our pre-podcast oh, yeah. conversation of I actually how I this. hate the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. Like the Muppets scare me. I think you just like hit it hit the nail on the head there. Like yeah. that's why Muppets are scary to me, man. Muppets are scary. But you're wrong about the scariest one. <laughs> <laughs> Snuffleupagus is very scary. I one swing we talk, of his trunk. I think <laughs> <clears throat> I said it before. I'll say it again. Big Bird is the scariest one because he has big ass arms like a real he's person. A giant, and he's creature. giant. And if he were to meet you in a dark alley, <laughs> he would be the one that you're like, oh shit, this one's gonna whoop my ass, <laughs> and maybe up, yeah. take more than I want him to take. <laughs> Probably. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to come across any of them in a dark alley, no, dude. I would smush Gonzo, smush him. <laughs> Gonzo gone. <laughs> know, but a lot of them are like three feet tall. But Big Bird's the only one that's like nine eight feet, feet tall. tall. Yeah, like nine <laughs> feet like tall. Loki terrifying. But yeah, th- I think there's just like this. L- uh, obviously, they're lifeless because they're Muppets and they're brought to life they're through weird hand motions from humans behind them. Right. Or they're but Big Bird's actually in a fucking suit. It's yeah. A, it's like a human in a suit. You it's like know what a Kim Olajuwon in, in a suit. Yeah. It's like. OK, so there's the Muppets like Kermit the Frog and the pig that's obsessed with him. And then there's the Sesame Street Muppets. Are they all Muppets? Yeah, they are. They are. All scary, okay. yeah. Big Bird might not scary. technically be a Muppet. The if you are, it's Jim Hansen that has the Maybe Muppets, one of our right? Lithuanian listeners can come in and uh, tell us. Let's clarify. Yeah. Someone's upset about it, for sure. So, someone's dude, like, someone's always Shout upset. Shout out to the Lithuanians. <laughs> yeah. Dude, look at, look at who's always upset. Lithuania. Old guy in retirement home, upset. I get French it, French guy at Borders Books, upset. Upset. Every, so there's always some dude who's way French too chef. fucking upset. You know, was, he was a lot like the Swedish chef from... That is so offensive. It's so offensive. But it's really good. That is not what we sound like. That's what the Swedish was... Oh, dude, I felt so bad. I felt so bad. Why do you feel bad? I used to be a mover in college, and I like... In Santa Barbara, oh, no. it's really strange, but in Santa Barbara, they get a bunch of uh, Irish people coming for the summer. I've noticed that. And they destroy Isla Vista. They party <laughs> oh, so, so hard. And they just yeah. destroy. There'll be like eight of them in a room in Isla Vista. And two of these guys, awesome dudes, were movers with me. 
and I got a little bit too like, you know, friendly with him one day and I was like doing a horrible like Irish caricature, you know, oh, just like no. I was like, Heidi, 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 you know, like oh, that. And they're like no. deadpan, dead serious. We don't talk like that. <laughs> like, I was like, no, of course not. Of oh, course not. We don't talk yeah. like that. There's no leprechaun. Heidi, we don't talk like that. Hey. No. <laughs> Fetch me a pint of Guinness. It's a really hard accent. It's so to offensive. Do. I but I felt so I bad. I won't do it because all, my, all so mine are just British. Bad. Anyway. I love that they put you in China. <laughs> Like, oh, they checked me like so that. hard. Obviously, I didn't want to fight these guys. Those Dude, are the last I, dudes you want to fight. I get that the accents are offensive, but like when uh, when Carrie's husband's here, Mario, he's a, a Kiwi from New Zealand. Um, I'll like try to do his accent, and then he he's like, "That's just British. That's just British. Everything that I say, he's like, That's, you're just doing British." Um, and then he'll do a perfect California accent. And what's hilarious, like I'll say something super California, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, like some dumb Valley Girl <laughs> shit," and he'll just say it exactly the way I said it. And I'm like, "Oh man, that was perfect." And Carrie, who's married to him, and she's been over there for ten years. They're now in Australia. She's like, "Oh, I don't even hear when he does a when he changes his accent." Like I, I don't even notice. She's so used to him talking that she's like, he'll do a California accent. And she's like, I don't, I don't notice it. And she's adopted it. some uh, a little bit of yeah, a, a little bit of New Zealand. We, we don't really yeah. notice our like deep, like ugly no. California accent. It's so probably bad. it's super ugly too. It's I know like what it not is. Not a pretty accent. I know what it is. We elongate our vowels. We're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and there's a yeah, little there's vocal a lot fry. Of that, yeah. Oh, and there's a little vocal fry. Yeah, vocal everybody kind of sounds a little yeah. stony. Yeah. I don't know. I have a, <laughs> a soft spot for it, but I'm fine with people making fun I of it. I like it, you know, but like <laughs> I, I distinctly remember being in like eighth grade and taking that eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. And having this group of Southern kids like make fun of me and my group of friends <laughs> for having these California accents. And like, you're like what? Accent? They were like following us around this like it was like the Bullies? the museum of like medical history or something <laughs> like that. Like we're walking in between like down like fetus row and there's like through tug like oh yeah we're gonna go down to the <laughs> bitch and go something right. You're, like, you're from fucking Arkansas. <laughs> Shut the Shut fuck up. up. <laughs> Oh, we pick on Arkansas and Nebraska so much. No, Arkansas has one of those really deep, deep oh, yeah? accents. Yeah, deep south. I don't know if I've There's some more elegant southern accents There's for sure. There's beautiful uh, Like Virginia. Kentucky is really good. Kentucky. I like Tennessee. Yeah, yeah you know, I got to, we, we have a, our, the new manager over at Prairie Sun Recording. Uh, she's from Kentucky. And like, you know, she oh. just has that like, just delightful, just could totally just charm the pants off anybody. Just so disarming. Accents. Just wants to take care of you right now. Aww. Yeah, it's such you know, a great you accent. You're going to be okay. No wonder those dudes are making fun of you. They have way better accents. Than <laughs> <them>. <laughs> They're pretty great accents. Yeah, for the most part. So what? Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm going to keep bringing it back to Nate. Okay, that's really, fine. That's really fine. Wanna, that's fine. I really I bring it back to me. I was wondering um, when it was yeah. going to come back to yeah, me. you're just sitting quietly stewing. Um, so, all right. So you got into your dad's records. Yeah, I got into my dad's records. I mean, like, I, I mean, that definitely there was a like, guitar in the house. Set me off. Yeah, there was guitars in the house. My dad, like. Um, you know, set me up with guitar lessons when I was younger and all that. I didn't really like take to them at first because I wanted to be like the cool kid, and I was oh, like, you were that I'm gonna kid. Qu- I'm gonna quit guitar <laughs> lessons with my dad's awesome buddy and go play little league for a few years, and like, oh, I'm just I'm out. not a sporty person. How old were you when he tried to I was 
probably like eight or nine when Maybe I like first young. started. Yeah, I was probably a little teen. I was getting into it though. But a few years later, it like did take. Like when I was in middle school, I got really into like you know I got a little rebellious. I got into punk rock. I got into like more modern rock and roll. Um, what kind of stuff? Like what kind of punk rock? Like you know, I mean, like I think my friend got me like a social. Dis- my friend Justin Duckham, oh, yeah. he got me a a social distortion record. I think like when I was in, I must have been in eighth grade. I think when I first like got that. Um, and that kind of like opened me up to a lot of stuff. You know, I think he gave me like an early punk-o-rama disc or something. So it was like more modern punk. But um, it I was like the first time you had your shit that you were listening to. though. Because yeah. before that, it was your parents. Shit. Yeah, it was always yeah. like my parents sort of stuff or something that was like based around them. Yeah. And then in middle school, like I really got into punk rock and that kind of like carried me into um, high school, too. But I got more into like the Beatles and I think yeah. like went back to like the things that my parents showed me when i was in high school um and that's really like where i developed my love for songwriting and recording like i um i got an internship at this little recording studio they were called future rhythm at the time in san jose i would go there like on a weekly basis and hang out with the the owner and the engineer you know i would work through a little packet that would teach me this and that and like i would get kind of decent you know i bought a little like home recording setup and i was recording my friends um the first album that i ever made was a record with my buddy Brian uh and and 40 and um it was pretty much pretty much those two um called uh, the album that gets sick of you by uh, street band hardcore I like that name. uh you know just real they were like uh like <laughs> folk punk street band that would just play offensive songs out in this ritzy little town in the south bay <laughs> we went to high school in this little town mm-hmm. called los gatos that's like oh, yeah. it's oh, yeah, full sure. of billionaires and all yeah. that and, you know and we just were not that we hung out at the coffee shop and like listened to you know <laughs> beatniks and you know wrote poetry and did weird shit like that you know he would go sing hey little kids do lots of heroin out on the the main strip and stuff like that (laughs) and so we recorded an album um in uh he gave me a pack of cigarettes and 20 bucks for it i think you know and that kind of started me off um 20 bucks in a pack of cigarettes started me off a a lifetime of addiction no and then you know my the studio that i was doing like some interning at i had actually become like an assistant there and the owner there really encouraged me you know regardless of like what you're going to do with your life like go to college like get a degree you know even if it's just a degree in something you're not going to use just go to college so i was like i really I'll, i'll go to college for this i like this thing that we're doing right here and he um i toured around a few different colleges i ended up going to expression college and it's kind of like no way is that the, the one in berkeley i did go to expression yeah man in a what? there could have been a timeline where my old shitty rock and roll band recorded an entire record at expression yeah and you might have been one of the dudes fiddling around <laughs> Pro- fucking up all the probably game. man you know i <laughs> i kept pretty low key there you know <laughs> i was a, i was <laughs> 
<laughs> I wasn't such Game a like structure a major destroyed. participant at, uh, as I would say you know I was a bit more of like a freaky kid who liked to kind of keep to myself I was really into I've always had a real love for like consoles like I am so horny for big consoles that, oh, is a big that one Neve I love them especially Neve consoles yeah. like yeah. I've always just like looked at those and just drooled over them so um i was always just really into the gear i think that's really what kind of pulled me through school because like i said i wasn't such of like a community participant but like i really liked the craft of making records um i really had major respect for um an engineer who had recently passed at that time tom dowd i had seen this um oh, documentary on yeah, him yeah, yeah. yeah the art of sound i think is it's called excellent documentary and i totally. mean it hits so many different points i mean he went from being um a uh, teenage recording engineer recording you know like people like miles davis when he was just a kid and then he became a nuclear physicist worked on the manhattan what? project and then was like tried to go back to school for this and was like oh i know you know more I you're teaching me 1940s physics and or you know 30s 20s physics or something like that and I'm in the fucking future here you know I helped yeah. design you know the nuclear fucking bomb you know I mean I'm sure he felt very conflicted about that as you know that was a God, I wish Alex terrible thing <laughs> but he also went on to you know record like every Almond Brothers record, like, oh, um, you know, Brothers every Leonard so Skinner record, you know, yeah. these are amazing records. Was, just he, was he the dude um, at a, fuck, what is that record studio called? The uh, Muscle Shoals? Um, yeah, he did a lot of work at Muscle Shoals, guy? too. He um, wasn't like specific, like, I don't, I wouldn't call him like a house engineer there, but there was a time when Atlantic was doing tons of work at Muscle Shoals, and he would be... Uh, a producer and engineer there for sure you know he definitely went more into production later in his life um but you know he was just always such a respectable guy i always had major respect for him and he was one of those like every man like blue collar kind of folks like he was very humble at the end of the documentary just kind of saying like i live in an apartment i don't you know i never made a lot of money off of this and the love of the craft and the love of the music is the thing that carried me through all this and like yeah. i really connected with that because like i don't really care like i was never really interested in fame i was re never really interested in like riches or anything like that yeah. but i really really have respect for people who dedicate themselves wholly to like a craft or just uh just anything you know if you are passionate about something it's amazing that you dedicate yourself to that sort of thing yeah um and it shouldn't it shouldn't be for those reasons you'd get along with our dad no for, for sure no <laughs> and i wouldn't be a recording engineer if i wanted yeah. to be rich or something not, like that yeah it's not a glorious you know yeah well, this is a conversation that you and i had quite a bit when we were you know slaving away at that record is I was talking about because I had just made the decision to just do music and like yeah. I teach music too but to me it like <clears throat> when I was younger I didn't have the appreciation for teaching music like I do now I didn't think of it as the privilege that it is like I'm getting paid Aww. to teach to like full, help these kids fulfill these like dreams that they have yeah. like kids don't go into music because they hate it like 90% no. no. of the time usually there's something they love about it yeah. and it's up to me to like 
you know, take that spark and not let it die and try to, it's, it's like Keep building a fire, you know, yeah. building a campfire. Yeah. Like yeah. you start with a little spark and you're blowing on, or yeah. well, that sounds bad with the whole thing, but you know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> you're trying to get, you're yeah. trying to get this fire to go. And I didn't really appreciate that before, but now I do appreciate it. And then, so that's like a little way that I sup- supplement my income, but then also, you know, not clocking in somewhere and instead using that time to to work on my own music yeah and, yeah yeah and it's such a valuable time yeah yeah and actually tom and i had an awesome day today doing uh we were, we were actually dedicating tuesdays now to radio keys pushing our ourselves forward you want to pipe it? so a ton of radio keys dates oh, coming soon yeah a ton of radio <laughs> keys dates. and also we have um a lot of other stuff too that we did today it wasn't just dates it was like you know, like our merch and yeah. our, we made a band camp today. We changed oh, nice. our Venmo or my Venmo information so it reflects the band so we can get donations and be paid through Venmo rather than Oh, great. Cash. So people can buy you know? band camp. I'm calling you out. Your audio algorithm sucks. What is Can't argue that? with that. It's bad. <laughs> Don't sound good. You're streaming stuff. I like the downloads. I like that you offer many different download types, but... I don't get why the it's streaming so thing. Bi- it's so well used among the music. I don't know. You I know, never got it's, into it. It's, I do the thing that that I do love about them is they put money directly in the artist's pocket. Like they are kind great. of the easiest place to get a payout from. That's what if we you're were actually 40 selling cents a month. That's what we were yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's that. <laughs> it actually is about in. the money, and this is what we're all. About. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're selling out. <laughs> so here's okay. Here's my timeline that I'm confused about. So. Okay. When were you in bands? Like, when were you playing? After college. After oh, college. After, oh, I didn't expect that. I thought you were going to say you were in, like, a high school rock band. No, you know, I was, like, into you music. Recording. I mean, like, I was always kind of, I was just, I was always a really, like, humble and kind of just quiet kid. I was never the person to, like, be like, oh, I'm going to take the guitar and I'm going to be, you know, up here in the front playing. And, you know, I was always, I think, really self, self-conscious about my playing. I still am hyper self-conscious too, about, bud. like, I think that's just the, that's the folly of any art artist you always have to deal with that um so i know i didn't really like break out and really like show anybody my songwriting until i was out of college and i mean i guess i kind of like i guess going to college for being a record producer like aided and just like this certain like i don't know just personal legitimacy for myself and even within within college i was playing a lot more like i had my own projects that i was working on i had a good maybe like 20 songs that i had recorded in like the latter kind of parts of my college days yeah that i wrote recorded and just like played everything on um if you go to soundcloud nate naseda on soundcloud i will i think you will find (laughs) a bunch of my weird old recordings they're weird but you know they were experimental and i think a lot of my friends and a lot of the people who um i would eventually collaborate with liked these like i'll call them demos these like demos i was making and it eventually evolved into my very good friend cody franks he um he is he always 
he has always been a musician, but was like always looking for that it's instrument that was him. And he is, he is a rebel like me, <laughs> you know, yeah. he didn't want to play the guitar. He wanted to rebel against the guitar, rebel against the bass, um, rebel against the keyboard. He found the Appalachian dulcimer while, mm-hmm. um, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it is a diatonic, it. <laughs> uh, instrument played on the lap. Oh, okay. um, it's a really interesting instrument. I mean, it is a diatonic instrument, um, but um, that made me think even deeper about the music that I was writing because he couldn't necessarily play every chord that like I was playing with his diatonic instrument, but he could um, add extensions and stuff on top oh, of the cards on top of the chords that I was playing. Um, oh, dude! By the way, this dulcimer thing—I've totally seen it before. Yeah, you, oh, you know it. it. You've seen it. I mean, like Joni oh, yeah. Mitchell was really famous for playing. Yeah, we have one, one at oh, Music she? Time Academy. Ben Harper has written songs on them before. Oh, there's a lot of people who um, you wouldn't suspect like were lovers of the dulcimer who yeah. are lovers of the dulcimer. Well, Cody got the dulcimer and he started writing songs, and I wanted to help him out with his songs. Really, so like. I started writing extra melodies and chords and adding lyrics to his stuff. And he did that with some of my songs and we just started bouncing stuff off of each other. And we became this band called the ghost of rights. Uh, when we took this like train trip up to the Northwest and we were just kind of like, you took a train. We took oh, a train. Yeah. That. Yeah. We took the, uh, the coast starlight up to my old, uh, my great grandfather's cabin outside of Stanwood, Washington, on Camano Island. Um, and we played a bunch of music along the way. We went up to Vancouver too and we were playing on the streets and, you know, just kind of anywhere and just hanging out, bringing our instruments around and kind of honing our skills and all that. And um, we had done a little bit of recording with the band before that and I guess we really like solidified the name on that trip like we are the Ghost of Rights and we just started attracting other people into the band and um I don't think we ever had an insane following. We, you know, all of our friends really liked us, and I think we had a lot of fun bands that we played with. And there was a real, like, amazing scene of uh, great, great, great songwriters that were in the South Bay Santa Cruz kind of scene. Um, shout out to my very, very good friend, uh, Corey Hogan, and some of his old bands, specifically, like, um, the uh, the great American novelists were just like they were the band that I like wanted to be back then. I feel you like know? I've heard that band name Dude, before. I'm they were up. really excellent. I don't even know if they ever uh, released anything or got to release anything in the f- in their latter form. They had a few different incarnations, but um, that scene had definitely bred really really good songwriting into me or like knowing what good songwriting was um they weren't the the next great american no i doubt you'll even find them the The band the band kind of you know hit you know was they were wonderful but it was also just a a, in internal train wreck for sure you know effervescent too yeah back in the day it's like I remember playing in bands around the same time. We were basically the same age, I think. And it's yeah, like I'm 32. Yeah, me too. So there we go. And it's like I remember you had like a very, or at least we had a very small internet presence back in those days. It was like I think we had like a real shit website, but yeah. other than that, it was like 
we had our CDs and our live shows. We were, my band was super into it. Oh, like, and we were on purevolume.com, <laughs> and that was it. I had built us a website. We had a, a Tumblr. We would write, like, weekly blog posts. We had an Instagram. Tumblr we were sure. We were doing it all, you know? The... The band was the thing that I think really like pushed forward a lot of my recording because um, people would hear like what I had done with those band with like my own band and be like, hey, let's do something with my band or this other band. Um, and I just started getting clients and, you know, taking over my parents' house repeatedly. My mother did not like it. My dad was like, this live? is pretty cool. Uh, Santa Cruz Mountains, like oh, off of yeah, Summit yeah. Road, Santa Cruz County sort of area, bridging that gap between um, South Bay in so Santa Cruz. Nice. Yeah, they're not too far. They're not too far. They still live in the same house. I still get to go back there. I don't get to take it over like I used to, but That's cool that they allowed you to to do that. But yeah, they also just had a, of you, you know. Their living room is like I grew up in this weird 14-sided house that's uh, arranged in a circular form. Uh, there's no 90 it's like a giant degree. ass yurt. I'm trying yeah, to that's picture basi- it. Yeah, it's, it's like that's a yurt. basically it's like a wooden yurt, a giant wooden yurt. There's no parallel what? surfaces. There's no 90 degree angles. It created no standing waves, no comb filtering. You hear things in that living room like you've never heard things before. It's a very like sonically pleasing room and one of the coolest rooms I've ever recorded in. Still to this day, I think it's Od- one of the best sounding Dude, rooms I've ever heard. Oddly enough, your current studio is like a mini version of that. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, His studio is seriously so cool. Like the first time I walked into it, I was like, damn it, I wish this was mine. Like that was oh, like my wow. gut reaction. Like just complete envy. You know, just like, oh, I want this. It's so cool. It's cute. That's, yeah. I, I like it. I am very proud of my, my home space. Um, but yeah, I was playing in bands and just getting more clients myself. Um, and, uh, I think I just kind of got to a point where it, like I had always known of Prairie Sun and I had always told myself that like, I feel like that place is going to play like a role in my future. Um, wow, really? yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of always like kind of psyched myself out. Like, I don't know, am I ready to go do be an intern there? And I, I don't know. I waited until I was like 25 to go up there. Um, I think it was a good decision that I actually waited to like go and do that. Um, I moved up to Prairie Sun. I was there for three months and like right out of that, they hired me on, but I had already, like you an know, intern or you yeah, intern? like an, I'd, I'd gone on as an intern and then I had become like, I don't know, the assistant manager, whatever bullshit title they gave assistant me. To the regional manager. Yeah, okay. that was, that was always the joke. Oh, Nate, you mean assistant to, I'm just like, shut the fuck up everybody. Yeah, I know. I know. I get paid it's less on the studio. He could have just called me studio, studio bitch. No, just a bitch that would be the title Aww. there um sad face that was one of the no you know i i was used to that seriously actually working in that studio in the south bay i remember there were multiple times when like bruce was i'm not gonna add my uh, the the owner of the studio was like walking somebody around and be like and there's nate he you don't even need to know his name just call him studio bitch wow you know, I, you know it's kind of i don't so know so it was 2012 i know very oh, much man. i know there's kind of like that odd like <laughs> um you know toxic masculinity that's held over in the music industry you know oh, yeah. hopefully we can get rid of that but you know there was definitely a bit of that so i think i was kind of like used to just being like 
you know, sure, I can do the grunt work and do that kind of like shit like that. But I started picking up more and more sessions and just becoming more and more adept there. And uh, nowadays, I'm the chief engineer there. Awesome. Um, you know, I mean, I've worked with so many good bands and so many amazing producers there. Um, it was amazing to make your record there. You know, it, we, uh, it was one of the highlights of my of my last year for Stop. sure. Oh, it's definitely the highlight of our year. Yeah, we honestly though, I had like this weird connection with Prairie Sun too, similarly to how you did. Like, but it was from like one of those sponsored ads. You know, it was mm. like Prairie Sun, blah blah blah. You know, you can stay yeah, you know, in this little working. place. It's in. You, I probably wrote that yeah. shit. Well, it was a. It was like a video. And yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing it and I did a little more research on it. And I was like, dude, this looks really cool. And like, I've always wanted to do a recording process where you immerse yourself. You in live it. there. Yeah. yeah. You, you live there and you wake up in the morning, you clock in, you clock out, you have a few whiskeys or five and then you go to bed <laughs> exactly. and then you wake up the next day and you do the same thing and you do that until the record's done. Yeah. And like Prairie Sun was offering that, you know, yeah. and, and it's perfect. The, just the, the, um, the the state that you get yourself into you know it's a real like, like kind of fugue state that you get into like especially after day one when your body and mind accept that you are in this place for a long duration of time and you're not gonna leave um i don't know there's some there's a rush of endorphins there's yeah. like something chemically at least that changes within me at that point where i'm just like i'm in for the long haul yeah. let's do these late nights let's let's keep working but you were done. a great you were a great um i called you a sherpa and i loved that i listened <laughs> Wait, to that podcast and I, loved, so I loved funny. the sherpa the sherpa <laughs> are the unsung heroes of the himalaya true is you it, know they go it's not up, derogatory but, though right it's Fuck that's debatable. No. A lot of people were making it sound like it was derogatory, and I was like, "Am I?" Because no. literally, you're in our Instagram story. It's like a picture of you, and it's like our fearless Sherpa. And Alante was like, Ugh. "No, I love that." No, you know, I think it. I think Sherpa actually is like like a Nepalese word for like a guide or something that's like what that. I I'm thought. sure there's a deeper yeah, meaning. I to never it. googled. <laughs> No, but they're we were afraid of what we'd find. They're the the badasses. They They are. uh, You know, they take a bunch of amphetamines and then race up the hill before all the white people do. With a bunch of lame tourists. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. It was just like our record. Amphetamines aren't the cool part, but them racing up the hill. I was going to say it's just just like our record. You took a bunch of amphetamines and then raced us through the record. Definitely did not take a bunch of amphetamines. He's like, let's be clear. I drank a lot of coffee. You know, there were stimulants involved. But it was definitely <laughs> limited to the uh, the caffeine variety for sure. But I was thinking back on that weekend, and I think it was what Friday through Sunday or something like that. Maybe we came in on a yeah. Thursday. It was something like that. Like we did I think a night you, thing, and then we yeah we we, uh, came in at night. we recorded four songs a day, which was it's crazy. A lot. No, that's that's a wild pace, especially for the the okay. output of quality. Yeah, like I mean, it all turned out good. <laughs> like. Yeah. It's yeah. So it's wild it's wild to do that i mean i did an ep last week in four days and we did three songs um you know mixed it on did three days of tracking mixed it all on the fourth day spent like i don't know way too long on the fourth day mixing and probably like i don't know probably like 17 hours on that last Holy day or shit. something yeah. way too That's long but um 
you know, I mean, that felt like, oh, we're, you know, we're pushing this to its limit. This is about as good as we can get while maintaining quality. So, I mean, right. the fact that, like, we were getting through four songs a day is amazing. Beat I think that's a crazy too. pace, yeah. In fairness, though, they were recording every overdub, too, right? And, like, doing all that Yeah, kind of we shit. were doing all that. Yeah, we, we were had adding to, everything. We had to cut costs and ha- had to record at old Radio Keys Presents studios. But that was great. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think our, that my was, childhood bedroom. Yeah. That was, I think, one of the cool parts of actually the record that I like. It helped me, I think, to to blossom a little bit more creatively in the mixes, maybe to have not having heard some of the record conceptualized just yet. You know, it was nice to like hear it in this very raw form at Prairie Sun and then have it kind of like boomerang out and then come back to me in this somewhat different form, you know, um, was really really interesting I, and dude, really really fun added to the excitement of it for I, me. I just have like this weird like OCD with guitar parts where I like to experiment a lot yeah. and then at the same time sometimes I I think I know what I like and then I'll put it on the record and then I'll listen back and I'm like well that doesn't sound anything like I really want it to actually you know and then yeah. so then I try new things and then next thing you know it's it's generally like I'll I'll just riff. I'll just sit there and like play through the recording like 20 times and I'll find like a small nugget of something I really like just yeah. from the jam and then I'll expand on that in one part and it's like that would not be conducive in a, a paid <laughs> studio well, setting. Yeah. No, and it's yeah. almost not yeah, conducive. You, you don't have that time. Yeah, well, it's almost not conducive to like even do it with anybody else in of the room. Not, you know, no. it's yeah, like you just gotta fuck around. And yeah. I had five guitars and three amps that I was like blending and fly. like and that's so with. much fun. Yeah, You're having a good fun. time. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that also preserves it too, to where like you know, there's nobody telling you you have to do any of that. Yeah. You were doing it all for like my conscience. Yeah. Yeah, the well, yeah, sure that. You yeah. Sound good. But yeah. you know, I mean there's there's definitely like a deep love involved in in doing that and taking the time to to craft it and just bringing it back to like the beginning of the conversation. I mean, that was something that I think I I saw in you guys that really excited me about it. Like from that first meeting where I, I met uh, Stu and Tom in, in St. Helena and we had some coffee oh, yeah. on a rainy day. Like, you know, I could, I could see that you, everybody was passionate about this thing that you were all ready to create. And like, you could hear it in, in the demos, you could hear it in the past recordings. Um, and uh, it, it was definitely something that, that drew me to you guys, and especially after hearing um, you guys play part of the record um, out at your practice space. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. When you came out to our tiny, tiny, yeah, tiny closet you know, and another studio. thing I was thinking about on my drive down here is <laughs> I drove out to your practice space through like Vallejo and Benicia <laughs> on like a rainy day. And it was also rainy. Yeah. It was a <laughs> scary drive. I didn't love it. And then the drive to the record release was ten times scarier. Oh, it was, was it during, rainy? It was day? it was rainy, and uh, everything was blacked out due to those PG&E oh, yeah, bla- yeah, blackouts oh, yeah, because of the extreme weather and stuff. Yeah. So all of Vallejo was just like. 
it was total anarchy. People were not paying attention to any stoplight anywhere. Shit. It was just like my mother called me and I'm like, I cannot talk at <laughs> all, mom. <laughs> I'm going to die right now. We were so thrilled to see you at the record release show. Though. That was an awesome show. And that venue, Vinny's, is way too cool underrated People under super underrated. underrated people here it's in concord hey can i briefly okay we just played what was the thursday night game we played at the ivy room the ivy room i met a i'll call her an anonymous woman but i met an anonymous <laughs> woman through uh one of our friends we'll call her jane Duh. yeah and she was a little extra and she, i was chatting with her for a second and um and she was like where's your band from and i was like well you know we formed in oakland tom and i live in oakland but you know uh half of us we also have a big thing in Concord like my brother and Alante live in Concord um, and she's like ah oh, it's too bad they have to live in Concord you know oh god and I was like I love doing this I was like well I'm from Concord we just met dude like why are you talking shit about this city right now I was like well I'm like from Concord where's like, she up from there. Um, she was well now she lives in Alameda but she was from like the, I don't know she was just kind of like Alameda's her, pretty had dope. Had her nose up about it. <laughs> yeah, but she's just like, oh, well, but they have to live in. I think what I said is I was like, yeah, you know, and Stu, Stu and uh, Alante live in this great house in Concord, and, you know, they have great rent, and, like, it's really cool. It works out for everyone, and she's like, well, they have cheap rent, but they have to live in Concord, and I got, like, really offended, <laughs> like, more so than I should have, and I was just like, I'm from there, and I was like, actually, it's really great, and, like, I, I love hearing someone that, like, was so much, like, I don't know, like Nate, say that they go to Vinny's and they're really impressed because people won't even try it out. They're like, oh, a venue in Concord? Oh, we're not really interested in playing in you Concord. Know, and I'm like, get the fuck I over think, yourselves. I think this woman is just like living in the past, you know? I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know. That's just like, a, like what, a, what a terrible, like, elitist, like, shitty thing to, like, totally. say to somebody. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Just I'm sorry oh, that gentrification has pushed all culture all and all art, and art out of San Francisco and soon, like, Amen, out of dude. Oakland, too. But, dude, I mean, no, it's still the truth. We're, you, you, we're go to, by. you go to the city <laughs> nowadays and you just really you don't there's, there's not, no heart there's not the camaraderie that there used to be i no. think that there's still amazing bands in the bay area but i think like i think especially in san francisco that seems to brand itself as like the city to be in the place to be the place to go see a show the place to go play a show there's not a lot of amazing venues there anymore for for people for just the average band you know and i mean the bands that are the local bands that often do play those venues you know um they're glorified open mics. Some, of, some, of, of, some of them are. Some of them are. Tom man, and you I know. were talking about that today. Well, we we We're just totally trying shit out. We totally dragged this venue through the mud, and we'll Soap do it jar? again. It's called the Milk Bar, <laughs> and, <laughs> and and we yeah. we realized we boiled it all down to this. They have five bands a night. Silk tar. Yeah, silk, silk tar. tar. They have four bands, five bands a night with each five members yeah. in it. And so they have a guaranteed draw of 20 to 25 people every single night that are going to buy Tuesday, drinks. Wednesday. I These are weeknights. I got yeah. funny stories about the milk bar so that I'll like, tell you post-podcast. Those are the, dude, we are, a, we are all about calling out venues that are fucking over bands. Dude. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. if you're a, a venue that's fucking over a band, 
there's no reason why we should have like this hush hush. Yeah. Like, like oh, we let's can't not upset them because then yeah. they won't let us play there. We don't want to play there. Some, yeah. you know, there. There are still some like amazing places. Like I really love this place called Amnesia, but they're definitely more. We f- played there. We played they're Amnesia. Awesome. They're Amnesia's absolutely great. excellent. You know, I mean, I think what that, that one Amnesia of the most. Oh. It's in the Mission. It's on yeah. Valencia. It's we like a little bit down Amnesia. from the Chapel. That's another like amazing venue. The thing about Amnesia that I'm always impressed by is that you can be a quiet act and go in there and people actually listen. People, that was my impression. Yeah, people actually people listen. People listen to us you know? and we're like, what? They walked in, they sat and they just stared at the stage and it was like yeah. a little coffee house type thing. And they clapped Great. and they, they clapped. cheered. Like they were like, yeah, good job. Well, yeah. and the fact that it's like that at like, you know, like 10 p.m. on like a Saturday night in the mission and there's people like sitting there listening. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, and there's, there's places like the chapel that are definitely bigger than that, but I wish that there were more places like amnesia size that would take on like rock bands. There's still bottom of the hill out there. That's great and all that, but like bottom of the hill is also off in kind of the middle of nowhere. It's tough to get there. You know, people do get, no, what I don't the one think we played we've with played uh, there. I think we've seen swoon? bands play that. That was uh, Neck of the Woods. Sorry, it's like yeah. a longer name. Neck of the Woods is another fun one. They're trying. They seem like they are trying to to do something pretty cool with their oh, the upstairs, uh, their the upstairs, downstairs yeah. sort of thing. That place seems pretty amazing. There's still a lot of good venues out there, but I see so I see such a like disjointed scene, you know, from just like. I don't know. A lot of it comes down to I feel like the haves and the have-nots kind of thing. You one, know, one of what it reminds me of is it reminds me of the the Isla Vista Santa Barbara music scene, where all of a sudden now it's college kids that are playing music, and in the city, I feel like there's a lot of college-based bands. Maybe they're at like I don't know what what are the SF, SF State? Yeah, SF State, or, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess and, uh, there's and, an art school, too. And maybe some of that young, younger money, because I know a lot of uh, kids who get jobs in the city, you know, similar Tech to Amber, jobs, yeah. they move into these neighborhoods. And I feel like it's not the same type of people who start bands. The people who, like, have it's, the... It's, it's not people who are dedicated, who are like yeah. musical lifers, you know, totally. no. there's, I know I, there's musical lifers in the Bay area these days, but I almost feel like you, you have to have like some good savings. You gotta be really smart with money to be a musical lifer in the, in the Bay area. And like, I, you know, to make a living at it really, you know? Well, it's and that's tough. why we keep, like you said, we keep getting pushed out to, you know, Richmond, Vallejo, Concord, Antioch, that, those kind of places. So, but yeah. that's cool. What that's doing is that's creating these cool music and art scenes that are now in the, as I call it, as I call it on this podcast, the East East Bay. But that's where culture has shifted, where and it's the, just yeah. like, why, you know, it's just the, cl- the East Bay, though. Like, yeah. the East East Bay, I feel like it's like Brentwood and like, well, I, you know, I mean, and, I, and there's not, I, I don't work think at there's Berkeley really a and everyone's scene always like, refers to living in the East Bay and they're talking really specifically about like this side of like the Caldecott Tunnel like Berkeley and Oakland but it's you're absolutely right I just like to like think of it like it's just a little further east but like yeah I I just and I'll say like the Concord music scene is has I feel like like the more Concord, of a camaraderie the Concord a, music scene a lot of has some of the scenes. better bands that are in the Bay Area right now that well, I know of it feels like a scene it feels like we all yeah. know each other like 
I don't know. I don't. I've never yeah, had that. There's nothing better than going to a venue and, or not even going to a venue, but going to a show that you're not playing, and you see like twelve to thirteen people in know. other bands that are also not playing, and you're yeah. like, dude, what's We're up? We're supporting each other. Yeah, yeah, and everyone's supporting each you other. Know, you don't uh, see that very often. Yeah. There's a certain like level of uh, angst and unrest that I totally acknowledge exists in every suburban environment but that same hardship totally leads to like good art you know like just like uh, you just comfortable environments do not lead to the kind of um turmoil that breeds um art that really tugs at your soul you know and i feel like you know especially in in this day and age where we are just this increasingly like urbanized suburbanized population like we need to acknowledge these places that are are you know the more downtrodden not necessarily downtrodden i don't want to say but you know the places that have been culturally forgotten for so long you know well, I was I was actually trying to look up this quote. I wish I could find it. I think it's by Marvin Hagler. He's a um, it's a boxing quote, and it's basically that the basically the best boxers weren't you know born into silk sheets. Yeah, you know it's For like sure, it's yeah. and good. it's very similar. I feel like to the art scene, and the music scene. It's like if you're comfortable. It, I, I don't know when I've been comfortable in my life, when I had my cushy job and I was making good money, I didn't have to think about my bank account and all that shit. My art I was making was pure shit. I didn't think about making art. I didn't wake up in the morning and want to make art. You don't art. need it yeah. as much. I didn't need it. Yeah, you and need then, it when you're going through something. And then when I decided to throw all that away and start you know, really doing music and focusing on music, not only do you want to get out of bed and say, I need to play guitar because we're something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you look at yourself more objectively. You're like, what am I right now? I'm not making, you know, all this money. I need to get to a better place. And the way I'm doing that is through the quality of my music. So it pushes you in a way. Well, that your, your process, like we've talked about it before. Like when we're really happy, we don't write as good. I feel like when you're processing, like some of the songs I'm most proud of are, processing things that were really hard and they'll take me a really long time to write um i just ran into a old friend of mine who i won't name because i want to call her out but she just went through a big heartbreak and she's like yeah but it's good because i'm finally like finishing my like poetry collection she's a really good writer and i was like that's gonna be fucking good because you've been through some shit this year and like you're gonna get that process that pain and like and i think i said to her at the bar i was like i was like you know great records and great music and great novels didn't come from people that were just like fucking sunshiny happy you Silk know sheets. like you have to go through some shit yeah like, yeah Silk artist sheets, struggle I'm man telling you. yeah yeah or marvin Hagler creates the best you. art yeah <laughs> san francisco's too happy you they're know too fucking they're happy. too rich god <laughs> damn it why can't we get back to They've you know the, shit, the, the coldest winter i ever spent was a summer, summer in, in san, san francisco. francisco i want that vibe again <laughs> you know yeah, it's even a nightmare to for bands to get to the city. It it costs what like six bucks just to get over the bridge, and then after that, <laughs> see people coming from the north dude, today, uh, man. It's like eight oh, bucks. We, dude, we played a. I already probably said this on the podcast. We played like for free at this stupid art show, and I got a fucking parking ticket for like ninety eight dollars. Oh, no. like, That's a slap ah, in the face. Like I'm paying to fucking play in San Francisco, where no one gives a shit about oh. art. 
It was just like, <laughs> oh my god, it was a slap in the face. I'm, I'm when still you play contesting for free it. And you get Dude, that lady. She, I was loading my car oh, with my gear, and this lady pulls up behind me and writes the ticket and drives off. That's when I'm loading my who car, hurt her? exactly. <laughs> I said, "Who hurt you?" <laughs> she was driving off. I was like, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> You're writing musicians' parking tickets. I was That's so really mad. I was up. so upset. Like, I haven't been that upset on. for a long time. It was a real quiet car ride home. I'm sorry. Amber was like, why are you so mad? I'm like, you know why? <laughs> I feel like I've just talked a lot of shade on San Francisco. I really do love San Francisco. No, we love it. It's and a beautiful city yeah. with a lot of like amazing people and um, you know the culture that it does spawn. We're talking about the music scene specifically, though, and <laughs> the art is scene yeah. specifically, I'm which sure isn't really there anymore. Like, I think it I'm really like, okay. Okay. Devil's advocate. Like we're right. we're like really we love the Concord music scene. We're also from Concord, so we grew up with all these musicians. So is there a version of that? There must be in San Francisco of people that are like from there they're playing music or those people moved out. Like, no, I think a lot I of know. I think a lot of people like have moved out. I think a lot of the artistic mu- community has like shifted to the East Bay. I think yeah. the East Bay is just a lot more of a, like a fertile environment these days for that. But you know, I will say like growing up in Santa Cruz South Bay sort of area, you know, you would hear constant uh, shade thrown on San Jose and everything down there. And I can say like, you know, there's a, a deep artistic community down there. And I, I, I have always really personally felt that a lot of the shade that gets thrown on San Jose is totally totally racial more than anything wow. else yeah. well you know you totally. think about the like you know caesar chavez you know um you know back in what the 50s i think was when he was staging that all of his marchers right, down yeah. there you know there's a real like worker blue collar sort of history in san jose and there's a very deeply hispanic history and culture in San Jose and I always feel like it got so much shade due to just like these weird yeah. racial yeah. tendencies to just be like no that's where the Mexicans live I it can't like be the nice place we don't like I it but we don't know why we don't like it no I feel yeah, like, been fucked up. Like, like I know why you don't like it currently because now I feel yeah. like it's a place where all the tech money buys houses because they can't afford to live a lot of it, in but Mountain View but so they buy houses like near and around San Jose but then there's like East San like San Jose is huge like I mean there's oh, East San so Jose huge. you know it's a it's a very big town and I mean when you talk about like socioeconomically like the divisions that exist there are definitely like huge just like you're talking there where there are like uh communities in Cupertino where there will be like, you know, two mil, a row of $2 million homes. And then a few blocks down, you have, you know, the low income housing yeah. and you have the, the, you know, more slummy parts of town. It's definitely like a major division there. And because it's such densely packed, like suburbanized area, um, you see it reflected a whole lot more. But, you know, as, like we were just saying, you know, from that turmoil definitely breeds great art. Yeah. I'm working with an amazing artist, Adira Shark, from down in the South Bay right now, and she's calling together a bunch of South Bay artists who are really, really talented people, you know? Yeah. And I can say in my time down there, you know, in in my version of Concord being San Jose, yeah. 
I found amazing community. I found amazing art there. And I found actually a city that was super eager to put money and and funding into artistic spaces and i think nowadays they they are growing more and more as a cultural city where like art like that can happen and i feel like the same um is happening for all the kind of more suburbanized areas around the bay area and kind of on the fringes of the bay area yeah well we got to get plugged into that scene then because we haven't I, radio keys has never played a show in san jose slg art boutique really dude i hit him up the vados oh, boutique that place Where? the boot the, the, the art boutique yeah the man. art boutique They've, uh, I've been trying to get a hold of them. They've, we've had like four emails back and forth and now I've been ghosted like three times in a row. It's like, damn, we they're, were so they're, close. They're, they're busy folks, you know, yeah. don't, don't blame the Vados cause the Vados are amazing people. Yeah. You know, they Aww. brought us, they brought us comics like Johnny, the homicidal maniac and, and squee, you know, <laughs> they brought us invaders in. Oh, Invaders! Yeah, they did. <laughs> like, so, second, so the art boutique is owned by the Vados, and the Vados own Slave Labor Graphics, which is this like underground comic book company that put out comics by uh, Jonan Vasquez, who like was the creator of of Invader Zim and all that, and a bunch of other really freaky, weird comics. One of my favorites is I remember uh, Invader Zim very well. One of my favorites com- of comics of his is. Uh, filler bunny it's really it's it's a bad comic it's a very short comic but it's absolutely hilarious in a very like dark demented kind of way so i wanted to talk to you actually about our next record that yeah, we are going to be future? working on oh, man. we want to do some acoustic shit kind of like howl by black rebel motorcycle yeah. club like that kind of vibe Oh, nice. oh, Tommy is Tommy being got bad. Just Everybody refreshed my beer ski. Yeah. Hey, cheers, everybody! It's Salud, good to have you on the Salud. pod, dude. You're one of our, uh, you're one of our guys, fifth member of it's Radio Keys. To be yeah. here. Push the microphone out. Can we take like a three minute break? All right, let's take a little break. No breaks. It's only 100% acoustic, but it is very, like, the soul yeah, of it is yeah. very acoustic and rootsy. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, it's done stopping. Who's got a cabin in the Sierras? Shit. Oh, oh yeah, you, dude, you were talking about that when we were when I was over there for a mixing session. I just want to do that. I'm putting that out there for this year. You know, Airbnb. I told myself that like this year I want to like travel and make records. So far, I do have a record booked where I'm traveling to a garage in Santa Rosa. That's there something. <laughs> I know. I know. Tom uh, wants to say something. N- Nate, uh, my my dad has a cabin in the Sierras. See. So it just happened. Look, Manifest. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, let's make we it We could do it in two days. I mean, he we did our other record in three days. We could do this one in two. Yeah, do basics at a cabin in the Sierras. I like that sort of idea. Drink some hot toddies. Oh, hot toddies <laughs> will need to be involved. <laughs> they really, they keep you going on those cold days. We could also hit up your mom and record at a giant yurt. Other, either or. That's true. Either that's or. true. That's true. We'll get them a nice Airbnb for the weekend <laughs> on like the coast and we'll just take over. They would, they're actually down for that sort of thing. They're totally like, oh yeah, we'll vacate. Just buy, you know, get us another place that's nicer or something. That's what we, we did a little, uh, we took over our parents' house in Concord for like a Radio Keys weekend before we all had like better living situations. We didn't and buy they, them shit they though. Spent, they spent nice somewhere. They did some little, they're like, oh, we'll take a, take a little vacation. Tom, I remember. They went to St. Helena. 
Oh, they oh, traded us. Right. They traded y'all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they, they stayed in our apartment too. in Saint Helena. Is where yeah, they, they live in Saint Helena, which is wine country, obviously. That's and like where walked to dinner and took care of our cats. It was that retreat that we wrote the basic bare bones of "Don't Come Back Home." It yes, never ended again, up. It never ended yeah. up being the way it was at that retreat, but. That's really what planted the seed for. Yeah, for we all, all learned it kind of yeah. slower and oh, yeah, man. all my. Well, all Tom, and I, I think and I talked about it in the last podcast. He, he was so, you know, adamant about don't come back home not being ready yet, and that's when I wrote the halftime part in yeah, the you beginning brought it to and life. then in the yeah. end. You brought it to life, yeah. And it was inspired also by the Stone Foxes because yeah. they do all these these feel time changes, changes yeah. and time changes yeah. in their songs. And we had just done a podcast about them. Oh, and, wow. um, and then also Tom was like, it's not ready yet. We got to figure out another part. And then it was like, well, let's have a, a feel change. Like yeah. that was pretty much it. I feel change at the end. I feel the like conceptually thing. don't, don't come back home or don't you come back home? Like really, uh, it sums up a lot of what the record is kind of about. I don't know. It's an anti-love Ooh, record for sure. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. There's not really like love songs on we the, don't on write the record. Love songs. Uh, no, we, we don't. No. We can't. I've never I, written a love song. I really. like that they are I like want that. To. You know? I've made want to know what a love mine. song is. My side of town. My side of town is a love. Yeah, song. you know it, it kind of is, but it's uh, you know it's a longing kind of toxic yeah, relationship. It's, it's <laughs> not, yeah, exactly. See, there's some there's something that like doomed about it from the get go. Yes, you know? Dumb is doomed. Like, there's a little codependency <laughs> in there. You know, like it's just uh, a yeah. yeah. You know, I I I I like that about it though that it is this kind of like anti love record. I never thought about it like that before, but more of it being an anti-love record, it's just Emily and I are incapable of love. <laughs> Very in love. Oh, man. Very in love. No, full no, no, no. narcissist. But it's, it's, I feel like, honestly, though, when I write a love song or think about writing a love song, I feel so corny we've talked like, about we talked it about it, it. Makes it was so hacky feel so ugh, it's like yeah i think we have exactly talked about this it's like yeah. a comedian doing an an airplane joke i think that yeah. was the exact thing we That's talked the exact about metaphor you use. yeah it's like you feel like everyone's done it like oh what yeah. am i doing oh, you can't say anything new there's nothing new you can say about love everybody's already said it yeah you know, i just boring, write a lot of songs about boring death. topic no it is <laughs> All my songs are just existential For dread. I like that though. You know, that's that's, well, that's that is, what I worry about. That's, that's what keeps me up at night. That's super appropriate for today. Like, yeah, we need more songs about existential dread. And maybe one of those songs will be on the record called. Which one? What do you mean? You know this one? Come on, Howl by Black Rebel Motorcycle Club by Where, the Radio oh, Keys. Oh, great song. Where'd all, so. the yeah, Where'd all the time go? Yeah, that song is <laughs> so such a bummer. That yeah. one's more of a bummer than While the Sun's in Your Eyes, which is, is a bummer like when you actually think about it. But I think While the Sun's in Your Eyes doesn't feel like a bummer when you're listening to well, it. Well, it's like those bummer Beatles songs that are like kind of singing about sad stuff, but it's like... Oh, you know? well, yeah. And I don't like, think that there's a lot of <laughs> self-loathe in any one of the tunes. Like they're, none That's of them good. are like, you know... Um, woes me or anything but it's definitely like descriptive of a situation or something like that but you know there's um there's a, an outright denial i think of uh of self-loathe in the record you did a lot of really good shit on the record and one of my favorite things that you did was in uh let it shine that song almost didn't make it to the record yeah you were saying was, that i was 
I was not happy with it. I recorded a bunch of overdubs, and one of the best overdubs I did was the acoustic guitar. And one is the oh, guitar yeah. that stayed acoustic really with the C7 chord. And that one just, for some reason, yeah. it sets the tone and like sets the table for the rest of the instrumentation. We kind of electrified it a little bit. But almost. there's the other acoustic guitar, and that's yeah. what I'm talking about. In the end of the intro, there and also in the end of the third verse, there's a guitar that comes in and it's all crazy and like yeah. octave fuzz and. That's an acoustic guitar, and I thought that was going to be an what? acoustic. I thought that was going to be an acoustic part. Yeah. And I brought it in, and I I could tell Nate like attached to that song right away because oh, yeah. like I I was leaving and he was still working on it oh, like really yeah. fucking intensely. Well, you just kind of like told me like no holds barred, like just yeah. like do with this like take it as far as you want. And yeah. you kept encouraging me when we were getting it set up to like no push it harder, no push it harder, push it harder. And um, I was like get greasier, get grease is the word. Yeah, that was the word. I was like. This and then so you you added that kind of fuzz to that guitar part and that is my favorite part of the whole song. I love that wow. in particular too. Yeah. <laughs> I really love yeah. that part. Yeah. Ozzy. <laughs> Oscar looked really Oz. unathletic. <laughs> he never looks very athletic. He's a he little, just jumped up like two feet, he's but he's looking barely. a little thick. Yeah. He, it's hard for him to He's jump. looking triple C he's thick. thick. Yeah, thick. triple C thick. Oh, he's hey, thick good looking. He is good looking. He's in. Yeah. It's okay. But you did a lot of stuff okay, like that with the record. Thick. But it must have been a trip for you, man, because we like we came back and there was like horn sections and songs and like yeah. Well, I mean, I had known that you were going to um, do more on it. I think the only thing that I think there was a point where I thought, oh, I think they're just going to go mix it themselves. It's okay. It's going to be fine. I'm never going to see that record again. No, no, no. I was I was just super super stoked. You know, I mean, I I knew that the record deserved to have that. like a grand treatment with the West Grand Brass Band. Yeah. Oh, that, that, was not, that was hey, very shout out West Grand Brass Band. Yeah. Yeah. They kicked ass out. on that record. Dude, so. they kicked oh, ass. We gotta get them on a live show. Great guys. We gotta get them oh, on yeah. a podcast is what oh, we need. Oh, you yeah. should. Get you Adam should. Borden on the podcast. Adam Borden, Maybe Chris. I, I was in a, Chris is a little soul more cover band with him when I was 20. We go way, 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 way back. And um, he's such a character and he's such an interesting... He'd be a great... Yeah, he'd be Coincidentally, we had we knew Adam Borden when we were we were first starting in the local music scene. We it was met pre Radio Keys that I was doing Steve Sage. I think yeah, I think I was pre, like it was Azrael days. It was my shitty you had rock your roll band. own band. Yeah, and, and it, I was like trying to be a singer on my own, so I was trying to like be a singer for Emily like was jazz in a, cover a bands. Lightweight, cooler band than Azrael called the Mind Readers. Whoa! Oh, thanks for shouting. Tom was in the Mind Readers. Yeah, he raised his the hand. Mind Readers. Yeah. That's uh, Jeff Iman's band. Basically, they had Jenny Brown. Jeff Iman wrote all the songs, and they were like kind of psychedelic blues. It was like Jenny Janis Joplin type stuff and uh, and he wrote it for he wrote all the songs from a female perspective he's a good songwriter so he needed a female singer and they had his, they had Jenny Brown who's amazing and she I think got pregnant and was just like I can't do it anymore and they kind of like hired me was in and Bob I, I in was the band? Uh, Bobby Blades was n- not in the band who was the guitar oh it was Jeff, Jeff Iman. Iman was a guitar player uh, and then Shane DeLay was in it for a while yep uh, Classic. Josh was the drummer, and then uh, Josh Tom Bird was, Johnson. So I was in that band when I was underage, so we were playing at JBJ. Vinny's. 
we were playing at Vinny's and I was like sneaking in with a bunch of gear because I was I think I was 19 or 20 I was sneaking in with like a bunch of gear I just carry as much gear as I could and like walk past security and be like oh I'm just I'm just in the band and then never leave the stage like not go up to the bar not go anywhere but just be on stage play 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 and then leave and I never got caught sorry Vinny's I was definitely playing there when I was 19 or 20 but um yeah and uh so yeah I was in that band and then I joined Steve Sage class which yeah. we could you know and that's where we met Adam the, and that's the where trumpet I met player Adam in West Grand. Yeah, so and he does I was all the trumpet on the record. I was in a band called What the Funk and it was a funk. Oh, that's a tough name. I'm Whatever. Like, what I didn't call there? it. It was a funk soul cover band. There were oh. three female singers, which is ridiculous, and like a full horn section. Can we get a can we get a like a bomb <laughs> drop, a little like <laughs> laser sound? Ooh, what the fuck? Something. So we, we just need a little acknowledgement of that. What the funk? Let the bomb drop. <laughs> we uh, I thought you were doing funk. I thought you were down we doing drowning pool. Let the bodies hit no, the floor. No. No, no, no. I swear to God, I thought you were about to drop Drowning no, Pool. No, I just want to drop bombs all over this podcast. It, it was not a great name, but we did cover Tower no, of Power. And so there were two other female singers that were like kind of better singers than me at the time. I was like the low. I was doing like this contralto low shit because I didn't really know how to use my voice yet. So I was doing all the low stuff. But they the, the first song they let me sing lead on was What is Hip? What is it? Oh, damn, damn. Oakland Legends, dude. Tower, Tower of Power. Power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was like my first like lead song. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And then I kind of like got my own style. With that. In my like and pre-Prairie Sundays, I like did a uh, live sound at this venue in San Jose. And Ronnie Beck from Tower of Power would come in all the time, play, bring his like kind of Tower of Power-esque review. And it was always kick-ass, man. He always had two drummers. It was him and uh, Clay Bandy, great drummer in the south bay clay bandy i wonder if you shout still out clay bandy shout out clay bandy <laughs> if you're still doing the drum and dj thing i'm highly supportive of it also uh, too many drummers though i was gonna ask okay <laughs> ignorant <laughs> question ignorant question this is just me being just me ignorant. what is the benefit of two kits two people playing more kits. sound you know i don't know you know i like, are they gone, doing different stuff i think yeah i think like often it's like doing different stuff i mean you hear it in like the almond brothers band done really really well um where you hear you know each drummer is kind of doing a little bit of a different shuffle uh local yet national and international band vocs do it awesomely if anybody ever gets a chance to go check out the ocs live kick-ass double drummers loud loud as shit like we're talking like two fender super reverbs with like dual 15 or like 612 cabs or something pumping out a lot of sound and then like a couple svts two drummers you know it's who also insane. has two drummers is uh, the Tedeschi Trucks band. Dude. That is really cool, too. That's yeah. another, like, great... Well, I mean, that definitely is back to that, like, Allman Brothers-y yeah. kind of just, like, they do a lot of cool, like, polyrhythms and just add in, you know, well, flair where huh. the other I drummer think, doesn't. I think it's really cool. This is what I've heard. I did not research this, but what I heard was Derek Trucks had his band and Susan Tedeschi had her band, and when they decided to join forces, they didn't want to fire anyone, so they just had both their bands. That is so cool. I love that. I love that so much. They have like 800 people in their band. Such a feel-good band. No, I saw them at the Arlington in Santa Barbara, and they were incredible. Midnight in Harlem. Love that song. Midnight in Harlem is so... It's not even like... they They could be playing hot cross buns. 
Their band oh, yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Like, ha, crap, <laughs> burn. Yeah. I love Dude. her. Just yeah. like her. <laughs> Why aren't you performing anymore? Be really good. <laughs> but no, Nate, they're, what happened? they're so good. And um, Derek Trucks is a really a machine. special talent. Yeah. 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 Derek Trucks, DT. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll work with that guy. Well, I was thinking about the double. I was thinking about the double drum thing. Well, when I was younger, I I used to go see Ringo Starr and his All Star (laughs) Band with my with our dad. He used to take me to see, and he toured like Peter Frampton. Like his All Star Band was like a like Leave on Hell, and it was fucking Sheila E. He'd bring. So I saw Ringo Starr with Sheila E. And I remember watching them playing together, and I was like, I'm like, I feel like they're just. I feel like she was kind of putting him to shame a little. Exactly. See, I feel like that's what always (laughs) happens. Is like. Ringo. Don't talk about Ringo like I, that. I, you I'm, know I wouldn't. Oh but like Sheila E. I love of. Ringo, but Ringo definitely does like pick drummers to play with so that he doesn't have to play. Well, he was so walking like, around as a oh. singer. He was like singing and kind of walking around a Whoa. lot. And I remember being like, oh, he just wants to be up front a little bit. But and also like his this, rudiments are perfect. No, like, they, I'm not the talking shit about Ringo. He's Ringo amazing. Is he's, he doesn't have any flair. Like no one, he doesn't do that crazy shit that people go, whoa, what was that on the drums? He has that understated, just beautiful way of, I I wish Elante would like him more than he does because he does exactly what Elante loves about drumming. He like, he levels his kit so everything is perfect volume. His bass drum's perfect. His snare's perfect. He's consistent. He's really like, he He finds a pocket. He's the songwriter's drummer. You know, he's really the drummer that every songwriter dreams of having for sure. I don't think he's necessarily like the, the like drummer that every band wants but i think for any conscious songwriter i think that style of drumming works right, out really imagine well. this the beatles with keith moon would have been fucking wild would have been would've a been totally cold, different band. <laughs> no 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 no, no. <laughs> no it would have been, it it been a lot it would have been it would have been a lot the thing is about um the who that that gives space to keith moon is Pete Townsend doing those chords was like and there's so much space to work with yeah there's there's so much space for Keith Moon to take over but with the Beatles there's all this intricate songwriting and all these delicate harmonies and delicate guitars interweaving and it's like could you imagine Keith Moon just I think he would be the type of musician that if he were put in that band though he would be able to fit in there somewhere. I don't think he would have. I think he still would have been very bombastic sp- and crazy. But you know, yeah. I'll counter. I'll wings. counter that argument uh, for there not being for there being a lot of space in the Who. I think John Entwistle on his bass playing is some of the most melodic and kind of like leading bass playing that we've ever ever been blessed with. Um, you know, he he's a super busy player that definitely counters Pete Townsend's kind of like lax daisical playing um but for sure like keith moon for sure fed off of john and twistle and vice versa you know they're like in this beautiful like fucking holy war with each other they're like one of the greatest rhythm sections ever right now (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about john and whistle and 
I see Tom just getting Dude. closer to his microphone. John is so happy to hear you guys talk about bass players on the podcast. <laughs> no, like, I finally. agree with you. But John Entwistle and Keith Moon together, like they oh, they yeah. they are battling and they have this fucking thing going on. But they are locking into place the two yeah. of them. Yeah. And oh it, yeah. And it's just simply not that way with the songwriting style of the Beatles. No, for sure. It's a totally different sort of thing. Well, the guitar playing is more intricate. I think you made a good point about. Um, What's his name? Uh, John Entwistle. Whistle. Nope, the guitar player. Uh, Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend doing a lot of just like, like you said, just like hitting chords. Yeah, he doesn't do a whole lot. He doesn't do a whole lot, which yeah. is which is great, you know. And it's, yeah. so the rhythm section is filling in a lot of space. But I think with the Beatles, like George Harrison is just doing a yeah. lot. That guitar, um, a guitar-based band like that, yeah, just doesn't have as much and space. Dude, a lot all the layered vocals. Secret. John um, John Lennon played a lot of the leads on the Beatles records. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Not that the Who isn't a guitar bass band. Aren't they all guitar players? Wasn't Paul also more of a guitar player? But he's like, I'll play bass. He was originally a guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. His bass playing is so under underrated. Really? Like, yeah. Wild. Yeah. Some of those things that he was able to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he plays with a pick though. He does play with a pick. So does uh, my boyfriend Rick Danko. (laughs) <laughs> I watched The Last Waltz again this weekend. I was cleaning the house and I just threw it on. It's why I was thinking of the double drummer thing because at the end of The Last Waltz, they're all playing the I Shall Be Released and everyone comes on stage and it's kind of awkward because nobody Love has it. a microphone and it's weird. Um, and then uh, and then they're like, Ringo Starr is here. And you're like, what the fuck? And then he's just playing another drum set out of nowhere. And it's, How yeah. can you turn away Ringo Starr? He was just, th- I, I read uh, recently Robbie Robertson's account of it and I guess he just like showed up. I don't think they were planning on him. And then the guy from the well, Rolling Stones, the other guitar player from Rolling Stones was there. Ringo, Ringo Starr is here. They're like, do we, we, we got to get him up Do we let him on stage? Do, do we let him Wait, wait. <laughs> Do we let him on stage? Absolutely he's pretty, he's pretty inebriated, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is a good idea. He seems kind of square bear to me. We, I don't know. We went over here, this okay. on our podcast. They were all on cocaine. Let's, oh, yeah. let's at cocaine. the very least, get a good drummer to drum with Ringo. Okay, guys? Levon Helm. There he is. Perfect. Levon is another one of those songwriters, drummers. I love that term. That's oh, the first yeah. time I heard that term. Songwriters, Songwriter, drummer. Yeah. Totally. Drummer, songwriter. He's got a great uh, accent. I didn't really realize until you watch, when you watch The Last Waltz. Yeah, he's Southern as well. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was really mad about The Last Waltz because apparently... Robbie Robertson was a little biatch, apparently. Apparently, none of the rest of the band got paid from any of it. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. I think they got screwed out of a lot of money. And, if you want to listen to exactly <laughs> about this, listen to our podcast about Sorry, the last one. I, I watched the last one. No, we talked about we talked I, all about this. We yeah. talked about the payment. We talked yeah. about Robbie Robertson fucking everyone. We talked about the cocaine. We talked about Ringo. All this shit. Yeah, Martin Scorsese is up for best director again. The Oscars just got announced. Martin Scorsese is up. Scorsese. Yeah, for the Irishman. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to watch all the all the Oscar noms this year but great movie but seen that movie before yeah like the irishman yeah great it's three and a half hours i just movies. don't know when i have time no i love my movies oh, the best. it's so long oh. it's so long i feel like i have to watch it as if it's a three episodes of a one-hour netflix show you know they did like uh I watched it in two parts when they released uh the hateful eight they did like a like three-part version of the like long version the like uncut version of the movie Dude, that movie was tough to watch. It's Tarantino? That's the one yeah. Tarantino Tino movie I've that I was like, it. this is 
long. You should, ch- you should He's check it out misses. in the three part form. I really found it super like entertaining and very dispensable that way. I kind of yeah, I love Tarantino because it was fun because it left you you know it left you like wondering. You know, I mean, I mean, I know you've seen it before, but for me, I had never seen it before. Yeah, and I watched it first in that like three episode format, and I loved it because it was just like there was such suspense before going over to this next chapter. You know? I like that idea because yeah. what happened with me is i started it at 8 45 p.m and you oh, know with yeah. movies you got to watch the whole fucking movie yeah, when you we don't that. start movies after like seven we're so, so old and you know <laughs> it was like one of those days where you're absolutely exhausted by 8 45 but you're like let's throw Put on a movie right to sleep, yeah. and then next thing you know it's 11 o'clock and you're like i'm exhausted god i sound so old right now no we we do the same thing we yeah with long movies we just watched joker though and it was amazing yeah anyway before we turn this into the radio keys presents the oscars i just get really excited (laughs) about the oscars i know it's really lame but like i just think it's i think award shows are interesting because it's just like really raw like all the stars come out tonight it's like live shit you know it's like live show business and like i just think it's fascinating I, i can't like I can't do the Grammys though. No, the Grammys I, I, I are the, the one thing, years. and you think it'd be the one I like the most. No, we don't care. But I don't like, even talk about the Grammys. I can't do the Grammys. Like I watch it and I get so frustrated. Who is Charlie Puth? <laughs> I have um, no idea. I, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'm googling it right now. Hold on. Is this a Grammy nominated? I don't even know when the Grammys I don't even are. Know. He probably is nominated for a Grammy. I, I I think he's like some uh, like pop star that was like originally a YouTuber or something oh, okay. like that. You know, like everybody these days who's famous, they were once a YouTuber. It's like the the yeah. Grammys are no longer like a merit based system. They're like uh, how many twelve year olds stream your song four hundred times a day? Like because remember when you were twelve years old and you listened to the Go oh, thirty times a day I wrote on that them rec- letters That's and exactly made them a what's happening. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. But with today's music, is it's not adults listening to this shit it's yeah. little kids like streaming this shit a million times a day yeah. you know we all need to join the recording academy we all need <laughs> to go out there and we need to get in our grammy votes so that we can <laughs> affect this shit we need to nominate our friend i'm actually serious Album about this shit no year. like you know yeah. go go radio keys go, uh, well, but the awards themselves are almost like to well, me they don't really hold as much weight because of who they're paying attention to well i mean it's all all about nom it's all about nominations and really like i mean you know if you uh you know join the grammy society go nominate your friends go nominate the people that you know go nominate the records that you like you know i mean um that really is is the truth of it i think that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that gets pushed just because it's popular and it's what people hear and it's what people know when you know when they're given a ballot i think a lot of people are just like yeah i want to contribute and they'll just you know write in what they know you know but i like but i do think you know yeah affect that that change if you want to see something else at the grammys like we should all join up and you know vote that's a take i haven't heard before i like it (laughs) yeah i like that yeah i feel like i feel pretty defeated about it i'm like it's just gonna keep trucking along with what it's doing and like that's like think of your favorite records of the year the uh Anna Ash. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Nathaniel and, uh, Ratliff. Nathaniel dude. Ratliff. To- oh, tearing, is that twenty nineteen? Tearing at the seams. It's two thousand nineteen. It's a great record. 
I'm 99% sure. Okay, before we before we end, we don't have to end now, but I want to do something. Okay, so Stuart, you just mentioned that 12-year-olds are listening to music like crazy, right? But okay. not radio keys, yeah. Okay, but <laughs> maybe this is fun, maybe it's not. What? Okay, so is there any music that you listen to when you were like 12, 13 that you are embarrassed about but you loved at the time i have Absolute. mine already oh jeez i want to hear so about that because we all have that Lutely. okay who <laughs> i listen to a lot of john i can tell you right now <laughs> that's oh not God, even embarrassing no, not i even fucking embarrassing. love john Mellencamp. i don't that's care so he's amazing i can tell you what i listen to chumbawamba no i listen to head p.e Oh, I Hell yeah. yes. Tell Listen, <laughs> I'm not even embarrassed. Parentheses, open parentheses, head, H-E-D, close parentheses, P-E, e. stands for head, so planet, like earth. I was rock. obsessed with that man. I remember. I liked him too. For like three years. <laughs> and it was, and then that led me to the jewels that are puddle of mud. Oh no! <laughs> if you say Nickelback, Whoa. I'm out of this band. No, Not I listen to, dude. I listened to the fuck out of that one Nickelback song that was like, "Never made it as a fire's Dude, that one song, and then um, Limp Biscuit. Um, yeah. Corn. Dude, no, I was Kid not Rock. into Corn. Kid Rock. You I'm. Love Kid Rock? Dude, I'll <laughs> Dude, I'll still fuck with Kid Rock, dude. Kid Rock is sick. He's going Greatest rapper of his generation. Oh, get out of here, Stu. Now, yeah. now Tom will get on the mic. I am triggered. Yeesh. All right, I want to hear Nate's embarrassing. Oh. Uh, if you want to share. I have no redemption art for that. Get really close to the microphone and breathe and whisper. <laughs> I, Nate Naseda, owned Charlotte <laughs> <laughs> I think Alante had a good Charlotte uh, tattoo or something. Oh, no. my. No. Oh, that's real bad. You're really calling real, <laughs> Oh, that's the most what painful okay, tattoo ever me, I got. remember no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What was good Charlotte's big song? I remember them. I don't even remember. It was oh, yes, you do, Nate. No, I so don't. Like, I can't really, I really can't, um, can't recall it. I don't remember it being like a very memorable tune, but you know, the thing that I did really love about it was like the sound. I think I was really drawn to like that. I liked the big guitars on it. Yeah. I loved the production on it. And it was, uh, you know, I would later come to find out it was Mr. Eric Valentine who, uh, you know, was a fucking stellar and amazing producer. Um, uh, you know, he, he tracked all that. He'd be recorded. I think he, I don't know if he mixed it, but he definitely recorded and produced, um, that record. And it was, you know, so I mean, really stop trying yeah. to make good Charlotte cool. You're not <laughs> gonna make good Charlotte cool. Eric Valentine is fucking cool, but uh, yeah. good Charlotte is uh, waning in its coolness. I liked them when I was in middle school. For well, that sure. was their yeah, that was their kind of middle school's times, a like tough time. Early two thousands, yeah, yeah, they were like yeah, yeah, emo yeah. was just like two thousand three, four, up. five. Yeah, I mean, middle school's a tough time to like own as you know a music listener because you're trying desperately to separate yourself from your parents' music. Yeah. So you kind of run to whatever. You're like, the Beatles oh, are yeah. cool, The first thing whatever, that'll have you, yeah. which is usually some <laughs> bullshit, you yeah. know? You, you haven't dug very deep yet. You haven't... That's when a lot of people will turn on the radio. I remember I had this one teacher in third grade um, named Miss... 
uh, Ms. Souza. I remember her. And she let us listen to uh, uh, 94, Wild 94. Wild 94.9. Wild 94.9. Cool teacher. Z95.7. Z95.7. Dude, it was so... Uh, <laughs> oh, come back to that story, but... She would play the radio and she, and like Eminem would come on and Casey and JoJo would come on. Oh, I'm like, dude, I love this Eminem. is the best. And I was all about it. But I remember I it. one time, I forgot what song it was. Emily will remind me. It might have been My Heart Will Go On. But, Celine Dion? Yeah. But Emily had our dad call into Z95.7. Like, no, I'll tell you what song it was. I know yeah, exactly tell me, what tell, story. Tell. I know what okay. song it was. So this is my... Imba- now we're transitioning into my oh, embarrassing one. Oh, it's not John Mellencamp? No. Oh, here we go. No. Um, when I was... Uh, it was like 1999, so I think I was like 9 or 10. I was obsessed with Ricky Martin <laughs> and Live in La Vida Loca. Live I would just play it Loca. over and over and over again. It was my favorite song. And so I figured out, like, you could call, like, I, there was, like, a countdown. They're like, call in and vote for your favorite song. So, like, I would call in, but they had to have different and voices. So like I called locas. in. I made mom call in. I made you call in. And then I finally made dad call in and be like, hey, I want to vote for a... Uh, Ricky, uh, the living, and our dad speaks Spanish, and he's just like living la vida. I don't know what this. And he got on the radio because <laughs> because the DJ was like, "I'm sorry, are you calling for yourself or like are you calling?" And he's like, "I'm calling for my daughter." And he was on the radio. Yeah, um, he was on the radio. He was on Z95, but it was it hilarious. Was, I will never forget. I have a visual memory of him sitting in my room, and I had that phone where it's like the exposed, like the clear phone with like the yes. exposed wires in it. And I had my own line. I was really proud of it. Anyway, so yeah, he called. Dad called in. Thanks, Dad. Who were you calling at ten years old? All my, you know, Mormon (laughs) friends. I don't know. It was like a whole thing. Um, But yeah, she will wear you out. I'm glad he's living his best life. And she owns a house in Boca. Oh God! That lyric. I forgot about that lyric. I don't think think that is. But I'm making that up. You know. Thanks for reminding. I was like, grandma version is, and she owns a house in Boca. Oh, I thought that was a real lyric. No, I was like, I, doubt I it. forgot about that. Lyric. You know, there's another one that lyric. I'm making up about almond roca. You know, like yeah. the grandmas always have almond roca. Dude, I'm bringing these and the house in Boca. I'm bringing these lyrics up right very now. Sexual lyrics. I was like 11. I was like, this is a great. Well, song. it wasn't about a lady. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, well, there's a lot of Spanish in this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the original song he released was all in Spanish. It is, he, yeah. yeah. Kind of like 99 Here, Lafoons. English ish. English. So while you're looking that up, it was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous by a Good Charlotte. Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous. No, you know, it was the one before that. No, no. You know, that was the single off of the second record. What was the single on the first record? Come on, Tom. I'll look it up. I knew Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous off the top of my head. I know that one, but, uh, you know, there was the first record. There was like. It's going to kill me. It's going to kill me. We have to look at it. See, uh, the only thing I'm hearing in my head is Sum 41. And I know that isn't it. Who I saw live right after Fat Lift came up. Oh, Blink One Eighty Two. I like Sum Forty One. I like Sugar Ray. There's a lot of those. Oh, this this is the lyric you're thinking of. Uh Uh-oh. Her skin's the color mocha. Yeah. Not sure mocha's a color. (laughs) (laughs) It is a thing. She's got a jar of almond roca. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant lyricism. Brilliant. And a Cadillac, and she has a house in Boca. Dude, I love this lyric. It starts off strong. 
She's into superstitions. Black, Black cats, cats and, and voodoo, voodoo dolls. dolls. And then I feel a premonition. That girl's going to make me fall. What? What clued you in? The black cats or the voodoo dolls? <laughs> <laughs> like what I clued? What clued you in? That's basically that this girl you're just rhyming words crazy. that sound like each other. Yeah. Anyway, hilarious. I I okay. My other. I'll say one more guilty pleasure one that I still kind of like. I loved Will Smith's record uh, with Big, Big Willie style. style. Yeah. Big I Willie loved style. It. Bangers. I Straight loved bangers. It. All. Day I was like, long. this is hip hop, and it. Eh, I mean, <laughs> it was like safe. Like it was nice. basically the the black version of uh, "Live and La Vida Loca," but Miami. Yeah, he didn't ben swear. Bevino it was like clean <laughs> yeah. hip hop. It was like he didn't swear. Like it. Anyway, I I loved Will Smith. I thought it was great. He he Wild liked West, to fuck. He, he didn't like the drugs. <laughs> he just liked to fuck. <laughs> I think, I think him and Jada Pinkett had an open relationship for a hot They minute. have a good marriage, I'm man. sure. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing, but they have a good That's marriage. That's always the sense that I've gotten like, of, of Will Smith's career because it, it feels like PG-13, but it just feels like he isn't like... he He's banging everybody, but he's just not <laughs> doing like, you know, cocaine at the same time. He's not like doing all... Just yeah. sober atrocities <laughs> so that's the almost <laughs> like light, lightly drunk lightly drunk in atrocities <laughs> drunk. well he was like a really i mean he was a pretty good actor and uh i mean he's pretty an amazing good. actor sorry he triple was a threat. great actor i was yeah. sorry i was thinking the wild wild west yeah. specifically when i said that um wild, wild west. what is that a independence it's a, day with god men in black it's a stevie wonder song anyway he took the stevie wonder sample but yeah men in black his whole music career like him getting the movie role or him being like I'll write a song for the movie him getting the movie role <laughs> I liked Wild Wild West everyone shits on it I don't know Never what is the plot of Wild Wild West I don't know but it's fun exactly <laughs> I think well, you witnessed it in the trailer the in the trailer <laughs> it's just it's just bat shit All right. I love it let's wrap this shit up yeah, we Robo Spider we'll continue comes this. to town I'm having fun Robo Spider is defeated by Rango I mean <laughs> Robo Spider that's why I he mean, has a Robo Spider Robo Spider is defeated by Will Smith not Rango <laughs> I've never seen Rango either <laughs> Anyway, we got Nate now. Naseda. <laughs> Every time you say it, it's different, and I love it. I'm too afraid to say that. Is there anything you want to talk about in this last? Any plugs? Any plugs or any, any records you're working on? Um, working with a very exciting artist, Adira Sharkey. I'm really excited about yeah. Adira. I am really excited about this record that I'm working on with uh, Solstrom. Uh, Miss Moonshine, that one's going to come out soon. Really good record. Um, a couple records that just came out for me. Mike Hole, One Port Behind. Uh, it's an amazing garage rock record. I don't even want to call it garage rock. If you like uh, Lou Reed, if you Love like 70s New York music, yes. uh, this is yes. like the Bostonian version of that. Uh, Michael's a fucking great songwriter. Um, is he kind of underground? Is he pretty big? Is he he's just... pretty underground at this point. I don't think he's even pushing. I think I'm pushing his so record his more than Mike Hull. H-U-L-L. One port behind. 
produced by yours truly all the songs written by mike hall uh drums all done by my uh good friend sean neiman of the band supernaut uh out of santa cruz another really good doom metal band who also released their record recently and i'd uh produced and uh tracked and mixed and even mastered that one um there's other stuff uh go check out whitney's latest record uh i am uh i was one of the engineers on that i was very Wait, really lucky to be yeah one of the engineers on whitney's latest record I um, heard of whitney? Yeah. oh you have, you got sure. i was gonna yeah, say you you're part of that record uh, yeah i was one of the engineers on the on forever turned around That's i feel really super super proud cool. of that i got to work with uh jonathan rado and uh and brad cook on that one um they pop up on my Spotify, and every time I'm like, "Ooh, who's this?" It's one of those bands, they're, and I like, and I like, like it, you know? Amazing band, yeah, yeah. yeah really, go listen to that record. Singer. I have plenty of stories about the tracking of that one. Damn um, it! I didn't even know that. that. Dude, we that were is talking about really Ricky cool. Martin. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, so that. Okay, everyone can relate to the Ricky Martin story. It's <laughs> I, fine. It's I guess fine. those are the plugs it's that good. I have right now. Highway Poets too, working on a record with them uh, right now. Definitely heard of them. Yeah, they gig a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's, that's what I got going on right now. More stuff coming up in, in 2020. Can I, I ask Where something? can we follow yeah. you on, uh, on Instagram? Right now I'm just on Instagram. It sounds like Nate. I, uh, I am building my professional website right now. Um, you can also find me on prairiesun.com. I'm the chief engineer at Prairie Sun Recording Studios. So if you go to their staff page, you can kind of read a little bit about me and email me, get all my contact info and all that sort of stuff. Well, I think I speak for everyone in Radio Keys when I say it's been an absolute pleasure You're working with family. you. You're a big, yeah. big part of the family. We're so, so lucky good. to have met you. I said this on the on the Roundtable podcast with Radio Keys, but like, I didn't really say it very well, and I probably won't say it very well right now, but I'm going to try. But like, you, like the four of us, our dynamic is so, we're all very close, and we're all very... And weird. And we're weirdos, <laughs> and like, and we're so passionate about this thing, and like, to come into Prairie Sun, like... You, we couldn't have like imagined a better person to come into our little sphere and just make us all do our best oh, and like click with us all so well and like compliment us all so well and like bring out the best in us and like you were the perfect energy and like the oh, perfect thank vibe. You, thank and like you. and and we just all like really like just enjoy your company and your energy and your like you're you're so good at what you do on a technical level but like i just hope people tell you enough that like you're so good at what you do on like a human level of like here like talking to these artists because artists are weirdos musicians are fucking weirdos and like and you so have to deal weird. with a lot of like that kind of shit and energy and it's 10 hour days and everyone's exhausted and you would always pull it out of the bag and just be like we're gonna do this and you know exactly what to do you know exactly when to take a break and when everyone needed like you know or somebody needed like a solo take like everyone leave for a sec let's have somebody do this by themselves like you are very fucking skilled at that well, thank you like, i really that appreciate that is a that. huge part of why you're good at what you do and like, i don't think i don't think any engineer really hears that enough at all um, I could go on and on and I won't, th- but like oh, seriously, like you. that's that's no, something you know, that, I really noticed. That's I was such like, a huge so part of our this. jobs that I think people don't often really acknowledge that there is like a, a, a 
a bit of psychology totally involved psychology. It's like with it. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting thing, and I think a lot of people just think like, you know, you come in, you put a microphone in front of them, you hit record, and then you know you're done. No, and a, a lot of people really do uh, think that, but don't understand the like deep, multifaceted art that is behind art. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's and you it's have something. all these creative people that are like reaching their limit. Anyway, you're just it's, it's my it's my favorite so, way to yeah. to make art. You know, yeah. it's really just helping others with with their art yeah you're very naturally good it's Thank just you I, very we were much. so impressed like we couldn't have asked for a more perfect situation and it's why the record is so good i've it's just had such a i had such so a fun good. time making the record with you guys i mean you know i was you know I, I i think um you know that said i think it really like works both ways i think like you know your belief in me only helps me to like make a better record for you guys if you have you know if you have trust in your engineer and the person yeah. in, in your producer and and all that then you know their confidence just goes up they feel so much better and they're just able to give you so much more of like what you're looking for you know yeah. it's totally it's a it's a mutual thing you know the artist feeds off of the producer the producer feeds off of the artist and yeah, it's this beautiful be. symbiotic relationship in the studio for sure yeah i i could not agree more with emily <laughs> and any any Bay Area musicians that are listening to this and you're thinking about getting a record together, hit up our guy, Nate. Aww. Please. It's the best thing you can do for yourself. It's the yeah. best thing you can do for your record. And uh, and that's pretty much it. So yeah. uh, usually we end this shit where we sing a little bit of Sweet Soul music. Ooh. Produced, um, <laughs> and mixed, all this shit. Um, Nate Nuseda, thank yeah. you so much. Do you want to do it along with us? I'll tell you how. Sure. So we go searching for that sweet soul music. So ready? Okay. Searching for that, that sweet soul music. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> that was way fun. Oh, that was a great time. I've never seen For the sweet